0: This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want by dialing toll-free this Saturday evening, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features there for free, so enjoy those on us. Unlike those other talk show hosts who want to charge you for accessing their site, we give ours away at freetalklive.com. So, uh, lots to talk about, of course. Uh, Your calls are the primary element if you make them. We'll start things out with a story about a boy and his blade caught at school with a knife. Now, of course, uh, this is supposed to be bad, bad behavior, right? Bringing a knife to school. Mark, you've got the details.
1: Well, you know, when you say it that way, it does sound horrible. Like, it sounds like he has, you know, he's threatening other kids in the hallway with a (laughs) knife. And. That's really not what happened. If here. if he
0: was doing that, that would be unacceptable, but I at was, my school.
1: I was talking to my neighbor, and my neighbor's old he's seventy plus okay, and he was telling me how he used to walk to school in the town where we live um you know he came back after going to the military, and he would take his gun to school because you don't know if you would run across something that they Could may be a bear well or he would take a rifle and the uh, more likely he'd shoot a squirrel and eat it for yeah, dinner okay, that and that's you know that's how it was done the idea that in 60 years we've changed that much that you know having a knife would be so horrible that uh, you know a guy who used to carry it, it's it's just so strange it is all right let me tell you this story because it gets even stranger the idea of having a knife because you think this kid was walking around with it in his pocket and that's not the way it oh, is boy okay <clears throat> um this is about Matthew Whalen.
0: So wait, wait. Let me let me guess on this one. Uh, is it that he had it in his lunchbox? No, it was gonna slight, you know butter some bread or something like that. Oh uh, no, no, it no. wasn't. That's happened before with a with a
1: the. School. This is a knife that you could actually cut someone with. I see. So let me go
0: on. Sometimes it, mom will give you a steak knife, and the you know they'll have that in their lunchbox. They'll you get could in stab
1: that. somebody with a steak knife, yeah. Um, but. Most of them would probably bend, too, if you'd really, you you really, know, unless you really know what you're doing with them. Most steak knives are pretty good for steak. Michael Whalen, excuse me, Matthew Whalen is an Eagle Scout. He's on the honor roll. He's taking advanced placement classes.
0: Now, Eagle Scout, you're going to have to be, what, 15, 16, 17, something like They're, that? Thereabouts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, and, you know...
1: Um, I, uh, these these people have achieved a high level in an organization. Now, I may, I may not have, I may not think that the the scouts are the greatest organization ever. I've got some problems with them, I but do I too. don't have any problem with Eagle Scouts by and large. The guys that have managed to make it to the top these are these are some good kids.
0: I agree. I've known a couple of them in my life, and they've been fine folks.
1: And if you're trapped somewhere, you want to be with an Eagle Scout, <laughs> yeah, okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, let me go right. on here. Advanced placement classes. Never been in trouble with the law. He's received commendations. Get this from the city of Troy. This is in New York, and the Boy Scouts of America for saving a woman's life. Wow, this kid's a hero. Yeah, and this past summer he completed army the army basic training. Yeah. He is uh, right. I'm you know I'm not. I can't say I'm excited about that, but whatever. That's that's not the point here. Yeah. The, the point is the right to bear arms, and. You know, they, they he's in this early enrollment thing, so he is actually a soldier. Now, I think that this is absolutely wrong that you can enlist at 17 and, um you know, take basic training with parents' permission and all that other stuff because you can't join a gym membership
0: <laughs> at, at 17, I, so whatever. Well, but, Mark, the older they get, the less likely they are to want to join, so. Yep. And they've got to get them early. All of this was accomplished
1: before he was 17 years old. He says, I'm just trying to do what I can while I can. Where is this
0: from? Where's the story at?
1: The story is from WTEN. That's News 10 to you. Right. New York, you said? New York. Okay. Yeah. His goal is to attend the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. It's a dream he's had since grade grade school. Um, He's wanted to be in the Army all of his life. Can you get into West Point
0: with a criminal record? No. possession of weapons, whatever.
1: It doesn't look like he's going to get a criminal record, but West Point is extremely Difficult and um, to you know to, to get into, and this itself, just the suspension, it's a twenty day suspension. Good God, twenty days! I've, I, I'm a guy. Go- I went through public high school. I've never heard of a twenty day suspension. <laughs>
0: no, it probably happens. Don't I don't know it, what for,
1: but I'm right, it's disemboweling somebody in the hallway, which perhaps. You did not do
0: no. What was he doing with this knife?
1: Okay. Um, The dream could be in jeopardy thanks to a two-inch pocket uh, knife, that's the blade uh, length, that officials at the Lindsberg Senior High School found in Matthew's locked car last month. The pocket knife was a gift from his grandfather... Who's the chief of police in the next town? Uh, Matthew says that he kept the knife in a uh, side compartment and never showed it off or threatened anyone with it. Mm. Instead, it was part of a survival kit he kept in his car. Now, that this, is weird. Right. This may not, uh, you know, probably in the South, people don't quite get this, but up here, you can, your, tr- your car could go off the side of a road. And, and, in the winter time, Right. In, in <laughs> late January. And they won't find you for three months. Uh, so yeah, it's good to scary. have a survival kit. Yes. And a little pocket knife could be extraordinarily valuable. It it It's something that you should have in a survival kit.
0: Makes sense to me. So this
1: Eagle Scout was doing what he's supposed to do, and always being prepared, and he's getting 20 days suspension for it. Amazing.
0: Yeah. And they know that he's a good kid. They know that he wasn't threatening anybody. They found it in his locked car. You know, when I whenever I hear a story about a, a young person having some sort of weapon on them on a school campus... It's usually that they blabbed it to a friend, right? It's yeah. usually they've got it in their backpack and they said, "Hey, I've got this like, gun," hey, and they showed off. Right, they show it off to their friends and then one of them goes and uh, blabs to the uh, the, you know, the principal or somebody else, and that's how they, their buddy gets caught. But in this case, he's saying he didn't show it off. So, how did the school get the tip? That he had this in his locked car. Now, I've read all the way through this
1: article, and I don't have a clue as to how they got the tip. You know, maybe he drove somebody home, and they saw the the kit. Maybe he explained oh, that it was in there. Who knows? Who knows whether he – if he even said, I have a two-inch pocket knife in my car to somebody, that doesn't mean he's done anything wrong. Right. It still doesn't mean that. But here's the kicker. The Lindsbergh Central um, School District has a zero-tolerance policy on weapons, according to the district codes of conduct, and students are not allowed to have a weapon of any kind on school grounds. Even though the pocket knife is not considered a weapon under New York State Penal Code, as though I care what those people think about what a weapon is, um, the district prohibits students from possessing anything
0: that could reasonably be considered a weapon. So, gosh... That's, that is so nebulous. It's so open to interpretation. Right. Anything that could be reasonably considered a weapon. Now, it's not what you would reasonably consider a weapon. It's what they would reasonably consider a weapon. Because your op- opinion, your interpretation of their rules doesn't matter. Let me They're get, the ones that are the enforcers. Let me get these the last deciders. two quotes
1: in here before we, yeah. uh, um, uh, you know, before we go on. The, uh, the, the school district uh, here, the, the superintendent, George uh, J. Goodwin, I don't know how this guy sleeps at night, we do not comment on discipline related to an individual student. Our policies are clear that weapons are not permitted on school premises and subject to disciplinary consequences. You know, we can't bend the rules for you, buddy. Typical. This is it. Zero tolerance. Yep. That's what zero tolerance is. It's zero tolerance. It's zero thinking. I don't care if an Eagle Scout who's an honor roll, who's taking uh, on the honor roll, taking AP classes, has a two-inch knife as in, uh, locked in his car for a survival <laughs> kit. He's got to get suspended. Yeah. As a matter of fact, they deviated beyond the five-day suspension to a 15 additional days. So they went over the these uh, recommendation. These people are after this kid for some reason. Now, I don't wow. know if it's because his grandfather's the chief of police in the next town over and somebody has some kind of, you know, bl- red team, blue team thing going on. I don't have any concept. Awful. But these do sound like, I, you know, it, just, it sounds to me kind of like a liberal thing to do, to go after somebody for a knife.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh, you know, I don't know
1: about that. I don't know. That's the way I see it. And his,
0: I, it's it's a possibility. These are bureaucrats and they have a rule and they will enforce it as automatons, robots, mindless robots would enforce it. Yeah, well, that's what zero tolerance is, Mark. It's zero thinking. <laughs> up, 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 weapon, mm. weapon. You know, there's like they, they don't even they, they don't even go through any other processes. They they don't take anything into account.
1: So one more quote here. This is from. Uh, some guy from some legal expert here says, let's face it, the tire iron in the trunk to change the wheel is more of a deadly weapon than a one and a half inch blade knife. So
0: true, so true. Yeah,
1: this is, it's, it's. I mean, this is how ludicrous this is, and this is the kind of scary, you know, the, the reaction to the mainstream media. Oh my god, Columbine, everybody's gonna get shot up, the kids are dangerous, it's a right. dangerous There's,
0: place. There has to be somebody out there that thinks this is appropriate. Somebody who's a believer in zero tolerance, because Nobody. zero tolerance is, Can't be. is all over the place. It's in every school campus around this country, and I want to hear from you, if you are a fan of zero tolerance, 800-259-9231, or you're invited to bring up whatever you want. Tell us your zero-tolerance story. Maybe you've gotten caught with something or your son or daughter.
2: This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Ovaltine, nutritious vitamins and minerals and a delicious chocolate taste for your picky eaters. Be sure to visit us at OvaltineUSA.com. With kids, food battles are more about control than about food. If you want to avoid a battle with your picky eater, give them a say in what they eat. At dinner, let them choose between broccoli or fruit salad. At the supermarket, give them three cereals to pick from. The more control they have, the less there is to argue about. For more tips like these, visit us at Parenthood.com slash YourFamilyToday.
0: This is Free Talk Live. It's the Saturday edition of the program. We are taking your calls about whatever you want. That's the point of Free Talk Live. Maybe you've never heard the show before. Well, you need to know that you really can call in about virtually anything, as long as it's FCC-friendly, of course. 800-259-9231. Not that I like the FCC, but I understand that we got to do what we got to do. So uh, we'll take your calls about uh, virtually anything, and you can bring up uh, what you want. Also, online, there's a lot to do at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features on the site, including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, just click and download. They're right there on the front page of the website. You don't have to log in. There's no mandatory anything. You just enjoy it free at freetalklive.com.
1: And if you're going to carry a weapon or own a weapon, you should be trained um, in using it. Indeed. And Uh, Front Sight, the sponsor of the show, a sponsor of the show, provides just such training without any boot camp mentality. They'll train you to levels that exceed law enforcement and military standards, and they'll do it without all the the military drill instructor attitude. Secure a Front Sight defensive handgun course today, plus the corresponding 30-state concealed weapon permit, and get a free handgun. Go to FrontSight.com today. That's FrontSight.com
0: all right, we're going to your phone calls here. Also, coming up, we're going to give you a TOTASAC, sack, two-pack of the tote sack. We'll tell you more about that in a little bit. Uh, but first, let's go ladies first. By the way, looking for somebody that supports zero tolerance in government schools, zero weapons tolerance. Uh, let's go to Barbara in Virginia listening to WCHV. Barbara, you're on Free Talk Live with the Mark.
2: Yes, good evening. How Hi. are you tonight? What's
0: on your mind tonight, Barbara?
2: Well, what's on my mind is that all the occasions I, when I was in school and I had a lot of difficulties with other children, and I, there was threats. There was all different kinds of things. One kid set my hat on fire on the bus.
3: Oh, Gosh. I
2: had awful. another kid throw a rock and hit me in the eye mm. just because I had a pet crow that followed me to the bus stop. Hmm. And many things like this. Then when I was transferred to another high school, um it was a high school that I really didn't like very much because I, I used to go to Islip High, and I designed a school flag there. Well, Dang. I felt really bad when I had to go to this new school, and it's a good thing I had good intuition because there was one bouncer that was put by the ladies' room, and he molested one of the women that went in the ladies' room. There was a bouncer,
0: point of information, there was a bouncer at your school?
2: That's right, in the Copaic High School where I was transferred to.
0: This is in Virginia?
2: No, this was on Long Island when I lived there. Okay. In New York. And uh, I had a really bad feeling. I kept not going to that restroom because I knew something was, was not right with this man and sure enough it was reported not too short time after that that one of the girls one of the students was molested by him and oh, had dear. she had some kind of a knife or a gun or something she could have protected herself she
1: had the, a chance that's what these uh, a lot of these, these uh, gun control laws these uh, weapon control laws these zero tolerance policies that's what they are is essentially
0: victim disarmament laws yep that's, that's so
2: true exactly right
0: well, I'm glad that didn't happen to you, Barbara, and I appreciate your story tonight. Thank you for the call. 800-259-9231. So sad. That young lady, I mean, presuming the story is true and I have no reason to disbelieve it. Number one, what kind of a scary situation do you have to be in to have bouncers at school? I don't know. Uh, wow. This is one of the problems as far as I'm concerned with the
1: whole government school system is that, it A, kids are required to go to school, that don't want to be in school and that doesn't make for a good system it it throws too many uh, people together into one big
0: institution people that otherwise would not be together it it forces people together who would might prefer to not socialize with those People, uh, whoever those people might be. There's just different types of kids that don't get along with one another very, very well. And, of course, the people that support the government schools would use the excuse of, well, it's socializing. Yeah, right. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> getting molested in the bathroom is socialization. Yeah. Um, You know, knife fights in the hallway or, uh, you know, learning to cuss or, you know, bullies and all that other stuff.
0: Right. Because zero tolerance doesn't stop weapons from getting on campus. Right. It just punishes young people who get caught with a weapon on campus. So it's it's like a little mini prohibition. It, it's not going to stop kids from getting their hands on knives and guns. Right. But that's there what are weapons
1: do. in most schools, I would bet, every single day, especially if you use the, the broad brush that they're apparently using in this case, where they're calling a two-inch blade on a pocket knife, a weapon. And we've seen stories in the past where they go after steak knives. and sure. uh, you know, Butter all... knives.
0: I, I, as I recall, it, look, there have been stories with elementary schoolers with a butter knife in their lunchbox getting in trouble for this, making little elementary school kids cry over the fact that mom sent them with a butter knife to school to make eating lunch a little bit easier. That's a problem. That's a crime. That's zero tolerance. And zero tolerance also, by the way, we should remind people, it also applies to drugs and i'm not just talking about uh, cannabis or cocaine i'm tylenol. talking about exactly tylenol or your asthma medication yeah, or yeah. whatever it is that your kids need to have to get through the day
1: people think we are crazy but we do this 6 nights a week and we've done it for years well. we get these stories and you know, I, that's why I can't tolerate the zero tolerance policy that they have, because the people who are in charge of enforcing it, as good of an idea as it may have been originally, let's make sure that kids no. don't have dangerous weapons at school, It the
0: way it gets enforced. Is always bad. Zero tolerance was never a good idea, just from right from the get-go. Because as I said before, it's zero thinking. There's no. Uh, it's like a judge that has a mandatory minimum to hand down. When the judge is uh, has a ham is hamstrung by these mandatory minimum sentences, you can't come before that judge and have a completely clean cr- uh, criminal record, never been arrested before. But if you got popped with uh, you know marijuana plant or something like that, the judge may have to hand down a five-year sentence. He may not be able to do anything less than that. He may not. He won't. It won't matter to him what your personal story is. There, no, nothing will be taken into account. He may even say, look, I'm sorry, kid. I can't do anything. My, my hands are tied. And the zero tolerance at the school is the same exact way. Even if the principal knows better, even if the principal knows that the student is a good student and that this was just a mistake or whatever, he, he uh, will claim that he can't do anything, which is so inhumane. It's so, uh, so, auto- uh, so robotic and so just awful. For somebody to treat another human being that way. You, you're not worth looking at it on an individual basis, son. We're just going to have to judge you based on the fact that you violated a rule. The law's the law, you know. Mindless. Thoughtless. How anybody could think something good would come out of a rule like that is beyond me. And I would love to hear from you if you are somebody who supports zero tolerance. You must They must be out there. They must be out there listening because but they're at every school in the, in the entire country. What school doesn't have a zero tolerance weapons policy or a zero not tolerance even, drugs policy? I'm
1: not even sure that the, uh, the bureaucrats themselves that enforce these uh, zero tolerance policies necessarily and support them. They just do what they're paid to so do, sad. and you know, in the same way that bureaucrats throughout history, um, all over, essentially, do what they're paid to do,
0: violating they people's ex- rights.
1: They explain it to themselves in whatever manner that sure. And they're just doing my job. It doesn't matter if they're you know the, the the cop busting a kid for a joint. It doesn't matter if they're the soldier out uh, you know doing whatever they got to do in a village.
0: Uh, you know, whatever. I want to come back and talk more about this, and I do want to hear from somebody, because what can we do about zero tolerance? That, of course, is the question. We pointed out that it's bad, but what's the solution? I want to get to that and also hear from somebody that supports zero tolerance. If you do, dial in at 800-259-9231. Now put that number aside and get this number written down and be the third caller. At 603-435-1105. If you want to win a TOTASAK, dot com. If you hate making extra trips back to uh, the car to carry in the grocery bags, you need the TOTASAK. I've been using it here at the house for the last couple months. It is great. Made of 100% recycled materials right here in the United States and designed to, care, uh, d- designed to simplify all kinds of carrying tasks. You can go to totosack.com, get yourself a family pack there. We'll give you a two-pack right now if you're the third caller at 603-435-1105. That's 603-435-1105. Third caller gets a two-pack of the totasack totasack.com More free talk live coming up. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever you want.
4: The second annual Connecticut Liberty Forum is coming October 17th. Join Congresswoman Michelle Bachman, We the People Foundation founder Bob Schultz, author James Perloff, the Campaign for Liberty's Jim Ozzolla and more discussing ways to protect our freedom. The Connecticut Liberty Forum, October 17th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Sheraton Hotel in Windsor Locks. Visit NHELD.com for more information or call 860-354-3590. That's 860-354-3590.
0: This is Free Talk Live, Saturday edition of the program. You can take control of the airwaves, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL-CAI toll-free line. And bring up whatever you want, though right now looking for somebody, and I, we, I believe we've found him, somebody who supports zero tolerance. Again, the toll-free number, 800-259-9231, specifically on school campuses. Is campuses plural, or would it be Campi. Campuses or campi?
1: I, I'd go for uh, campuses. Okay.
0: <laughs> well, uh, So we're going to get right back to your phone calls here in moments. And what if you found out that the best liberty activists from around the world were moving to the same place in order to achieve liberty in their lifetimes? Would you want to join them? It's happening, and you can be a part of it. Join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. Uh, and also visit us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features there, and they're all free. Let's go to John. Calling from Virginia, listening to WCHV. John, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello. John, what's on your mind tonight?
5: Well, I was listening to your uh, program a second ago. And I'm a police officer that's worked in a high school and a middle school in Virginia for over 12 years. And I'm not sure what your point is. Um, quite frankly, learning doesn't occur in a school unless the kids feel safe. And, you know, what weapon do you allow in? What drug do you allow in? And what drug do you not punish for? And what weapon do you not, or do you not punish for?
1: Well, you know, do you punish for a uh, pocket knife with a two-inch blade that's locked locked in an honor student's car?
5: Locked in an honor student's car. Well, you know, I guess the point you have to make, or what you have to look at, is could that two-inch blade kill someone? And most certainly it could. And you, you
3: if know, that person was, process,
1: if the person was sleeping, process. you might be able to kill some, kill them with it. But um, you know, I'd I'd, I'd pretty much go up against uh, you with a pocket knife, two-inch blade, and and you know me with my bare hands and i like the idea of a person having a two-inch blade because they can only use one hand to fight
5: well i can tell you throughout my years working in the schools, i've taken a gun off a kid in a bathroom i've seen kids with knives i've seen kids take forks out of cafeterias and try to stab other students so when you send your kid off to school you want them to be safe i'm, I'm quite sure and people want to know that when they put that kid on the bus you want to see your little one get back
3: do
1: those kids and, use pencils and um, pens in school Pens, Pens, pencils. Do they use those? Like now liens. we're
5: getting a little bit ludicrous. So, I mean, you well, got to write.
1: You had sure. somebody. You had somebody stabbing somebody. You got to eat too. You had somebody stabbing someone with, with a fork. I mean,
5: well, you're not. You're not making your point though. I say, at what point do you stop? I mean, you don't. Should you not allow a shotgun? Maybe allow a thirty-two semi-automatic? No. The the thing is, you allow no weapons, and your thing about zero tolerance principles across the country. There are threat assessment processes in school that. That uh, gauge kids' intent, so principals really do in today's times have a lot more leeway than you're saying you're not you're not really telling the truth on that one because
0: wait a minute, what are we not telling the truth leeway. on there was a there was a an Eagle scout who was suspended for twenty days in upper uh, upstate New York because he had a two inch blade locked in his car in a in an emergency kit.
5: You got me on that one. I don't know the facts of that case, but I can tell you. So wait a, so how
0: do you feel? I'm just I just told you the facts, so how do you feel about that?
5: Well, I think in that case that, that the principal should have leeway, the school board should have leeway. Okay, so then you the don't
1: actually the the principal did exercise his authority and then took the five day suspension and turned it into a twenty.
0: So he used that leeway. but, but so what you're saying is you don't support zero tolerance, you're supporting discretion.
5: I su- what I support is zero tolerance on allowing anything like drugs or weapons to come on the property. When it comes down to the punishment level, there are different um, there are different levels or different um, abilities for principals and school boards to handle the issues. If so, they felt like, you know, just because you're an Eagle Scout and you have a two inch weapon, you know, at one time Klebold was a was a Boy Scout. So you know, who we're, is just this? because you're an Eagle problem, Scout doesn't mean that uh, doesn't mean you're you're that image is clean
0: all the way so. sure sure I, I understand what you're saying there so what would you have done in this case let's say you were the principal uh you were the one who had to decide this uh you know 15 year old or i guess he was 17 excuse 17. me 17 year old was uh, was caught with this two inch blade in his uh car which he by the way essentially admitted to after they asked him if he had it uh and so so he admits to it he's got the two inch blade you caught him with it what do you think's an appropriate punishment there
5: well, I guess the the if the if the um, variance is five to twenty days, that's twenty days. Seems like to me like like a lot. In Virginia, you can't even arrest somebody for having less than a three-inch blade. This kid wasn't
1: arrested. And oh, and that's
5: what I'm saying. in that the state of New York, a this isn't
1: the two-inch blade is not considered a weapon in the state of New York's penal code.
5: Well, but, neither is Virginia. What I'm trying to say is there should be zero tolerance as far as as far as having weapons, but when it comes to the punishment phase you have to use, uh, I agree with you, you have to use some so- sort of uh, judgment, but the bottom line is when you come out and say this zero-tolerance stuff is crazy, you know, at what point do you say a two-inch blade, an eight-inch blade, a four-inch blade? Tell
0: you what, here's what I, I, here's what I would say. I think that if we didn't have these awful government schools that everyone was forced to pay for, then each school would be able to decide what is and what is not appropriate as far as weapons that are allowed on campus. As Mark uh, was pointing out earlier, back in the day, people were allowed to bring guns on school campus when they were walking to school for protection purposes or for just shooting food purposes, and that was A-OK. Everybody was fine then, uh, and now there's this zero-tolerance nonsense. So I think that the marketplace would be able to solve this problem, but that's uh, that's a fantasy land because we've got these awful government schools I think if all teachers were allowed for.
1: to carry guns on their hips that you probably would have less violence in schools.
5: That's a horrible idea. I think that... You know, your your main problem to me is I have worked in the schools as a police officer, and I've seen bad teachers and good teachers. I've seen safe schools and dangerous schools. The bottom line is, you have to be educated, and you have to. I don't. I'm not so much disagreeing with you on the socialization part, but you've got to be educated. And you, and the schools, the teachers do a pretty darn good job. And the police now across the country are putting officers in all the schools, and making them pretty safe.
0: Now, when um, you say the really, teachers do a good job, you mean of teaching? Yes. Well, that's not true because uh, the, the the education quality in this country has been dropping ever since the federal government decided to get involved fifty some years ago. By their
1: own studies, people the graduation uh, the functional illiteracy rate of graduates is twenty
0: percent.
5: Well, I I don't have those facts and figures in front of me. What
0: I know Just is what them I to see. You. Yeah, what you what know I is what is. you see, and you see people that are trying to do their best. I'm sure that I'm some sure. of teachers
1: When you design an institution that's this large and throw a bunch of people together in it and force them to be there, you're going to have a lot of problems. And the, the, the guy who's tasked with being the school resource officer, as good as he might be and as hard as he might try, he's got one heck of a monumental task in order to make that work. And I would recommend that we have smaller schools and... <laughs> I, I, you know what we didn't need a school resource officer when i went to uh the the, the private school that i went to it was fine because people wanted to be there mm.
5: any other well, thoughts for us tonight john when you say that that um i know this is off the topic a little bit but you talk about school resource officers you did need it and and the reason you need it is because as a as a, as a whole police officers are reaching out to society and they're reaching out to kids and they're and it's more than a police officer in a school making the school safe it's a it's a, it's a community outreach and and it's a good thing it's not a bad thing it's a, it's a very good thing and along with that it makes the school safe makes kids feel safe um, quite I want, honestly, I want
0: to know it, a little more about that you say it's a community outreach to have a, to have a police officer in the school can you can you tell me a little more about that since you went there
5: absolutely if if you have a kid that comes from a troubled background comes from a, a, a home where parents are drinking or parents are are doing drugs or a lot of domestic violence and fighting, they come. That's, that's their place. They, they, that's their place to come and learn and be successful. And, and when we can reach out to them a little bit or if we can uh, maybe touch base with social services to help that kid or um, any other uh, things that we can do through the government services to help the kid, it's a good thing. It's, it's a very now, good thing.
0: Is it a good thing when you help uh, teenagers into jail cells?
5: Some kids need to go to jail. There's no doubt about it.
0: For for like possessing a plant or, or chemical or something like that.
5: Marijuana. Yeah, something there's,
0: like there's that. There's
5: no place in the United States of America. The first time marijuana charge is going to jail. You tell me where. And I, what and what will happen to
1: what what would happen to somebody who got caught for the first time?
5: If you're a teenager yeah. and you're in Virginia, you'll get charged unofficially and basically have to go to maybe drug counseling or get a letter. And that's what if, about
1: it. What if you decide I don't have a problem with drugs and I'm not going to counseling?
0: Then it'll go to court. Uh, Can I hang on to you for a little bit, John? I want to know what the rest of the story is here. Do you you have a moment? Sure. All right. I'm going to bring John back here in just a moment to finish up the questioning because, you know, I'd like to know a little bit more. You said, Mark, what if uh, he gets caught? What if he doesn't want to go to the counseling? Then it'll have to go to court. What happens then? Uh, That's what I'd like to know. 800 259 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. You can bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. It's the Saturday edition.
4: The second annual Connecticut Liberty Forum is coming October 17th. Join Congresswoman Michelle Bachman, We the People Foundation founder Bob Schultz, author James Berloff, the Campaign for Liberty's Jim Azola and more discussing ways to protect our freedom. The Connecticut Liberty Forum, October 17th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Sheraton Hotel in Windsor Locks. Visit NHELD.com for more information or call 860-354-3590. That's 860-354-3590.
0: This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free on our website. And if you enjoyed this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, You can become an amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We'll take that money in, reinvest it into the show, get on more radio stations around the country, bring more Internet listeners on board, and expose new people to the ideas of freedom. So head on over to amp.freetalklive.com to learn more about it and get signed up. And get perks too, like access to the AMP only call in lines, chat room, forum, and more. All of that is available to you at amp.freetalklive.com.
1: I've been taking a new vitamin and antioxidant. It's a chewable, and it's called Choose for Health's Superfruit Complex. It contains goji, mangosteen, acai, and nani fruit. And uh, these fruits are considered by many experts to be the most nutrient rich fruits that the world has to offer. You can get a free week by calling this number that I'm about to give you. All you have to do is pay a small fee for shipping and handling. 800-219-8874. That's 800-219-8874. It's Choose for Health's Superfruit Complex. You can't get the free week unless you call the number. 800-219-8874.
0: All right, we're talking about zero tolerance. The story that started all this out was out of upstate New York where an Eagle Scout honor student was caught with a two-inch blade in an emergency kit in his car in the school parking lot. And they suspended him for 20 days as a result of that. And I was talking about how zero tolerance really just means zero thinking, that the school bureaucrats don't have to spend any time assessing each individual situation, assessing the danger, assessing the individual involved and you know their mental state, that sort of thing. They don't have to take any time to do anything like that because, well, they're bound by these regulations and they claim they can't step outside them. Zero tolerance is zero tolerance. And uh, we've got these sentencing guidelines, so – we're just going to do what we need to do here. It doesn't matter that you're an honor student. It doesn't matter that you've never gotten into uh, any fights or any trouble or anything like that. The rules are the rules. And so we actually found John, who is on the line in Virginia, listening to WCHV, former cop who apparently actually was at one time uh, working in the school system as a uh, school resource officer. And, John, are you back with us? I am. Okay. And what you were saying is that you support zero-tolerance that you think that it, it should be enforced across the board. Anything that could be considered a weapon, could be considered a drug, should be prevented from being on school campus. You do support having some sort of variation in the uh, the sentencing, but at the same time you do also support guidelines, So as I understand it. So correct me if I'm wrong here. So if this young man who was uh, caught with this two-inch blade, if the minimum amount of time he was to be suspended was five days, you support having a minimum uh, sentencing kind of thing like that? I do. Okay, so so even if he's had no incidents, even if there was no threat whatsoever, in this particular case, you wouldn't support just waving the rules and saying, no, nah, it's okay, don't worry about it, we'll, we'll let you slide?
5: No, I don't think so. Why I, is I, that? Well, because, you know, if, if you're going to be that subjective, then you're going to come down to, um, you know, making. then you're going to open yourself, the principal or whoever it is, up to um, – a lot more scrutiny. It's, it's an easy call. Scrutiny you by you're whom? Not supposed to bring in Who will
0: scrutinize so the principal over that? Pardon me. Who will be scrutinizing?
5: For sure. And you guys
0: well
1: um i can tell you that uh what i would scrutinize uh what i would see it's sort of the seen and the unseen here that you know you don't know what's going to happen in the uh in the following of the rules because it'll never really get reported if this kid you know goes off the side of the road ends up in a snowbank um you know he's there for a couple of days until they you know figure out he's gone find him or whatever and this happens these we read these stories uh, you know and he dies for lack of a 2 inch knife that's never gonna get reported on. So mm, the the, the school official is looking to cover his butt because, well. We cannot, do not comment on discipline related or, to an individual student. Our policies are clear that weapons are not permitted on school premises. And so, you know, he's incentivized to make sure that kids that bring little tiny blades or steak knives or, you know, Tylenol or whatever are disciplined. But this is what – because this is the question I've got for you on this particular issue. This boy wants to go to West Point. And West Point, tough to get into – Sometimes and they do look at your school disciplinary record. A 20-day suspension could very well prevent him from going to West Point. Do you want this honor student, Eagle Scout, and a kid who was comm- um, commended by the uh, the town of Troy, New York, and the Boy Scouts of America for saving a woman's life? Do you want him to not be able to go to West Point because of this stupid rule?
5: No, I mean, and that's and that's a, a good scenario. But let's turn the scenario around. He's got a girlfriend. The girlfriend, he thinks, cheats on him. He takes that two-inch blade, goes into the school, and attempts to cut the boyfriend or the other guy or the girlfriend. Now, so
1: it's always the lowest common denominator, and that's no, the problem with public school is because you're always me. looking for a criminal, and you're not looking for the good guys.
5: You're zero so tolerance. It's, it's the principal's job. To protect those 1,000 or 2,000 or 3,000 the principal's
1: kids. job to make sure that good kids get to go on to higher learning education places, too.
0: John. And he's not doing that, John. John, look, look. You're, you, by the way, you're full of it. It's not the principal's job to protect those kids because zero tolerance doesn't protect anybody. It only punishes kids after they get caught with a weapon. Uh, zero tolerance is, doesn't that, that prevent is, that him. Is
5: just a bunch of bull, No, it is not it. a
0: bunch of bull because it doesn't prevent anybody from walking onto campus carrying a well, the knife camp- and shanking somebody.
5: Well, the police officer standing at the front door prevents that.
0: How is that going to prevent? You you wait, does do every office. school? Wait, I I have to admit, I've been out of school for over a decade at this point. Does uh, Does every school now have a uh, a metal detector at the front door that all the kids have to pass through?
5: They got a police officer. Every school in Virginia and New York, every high school has a police officer
0: on is campus. He, is he shaking Cops everyone be down? Can't be everywhere. It's, wait, wait, wait. Point of information. You said the police officer is going to stop the knife you from guys, getting didn't in.
5: You guys to me earlier. We have. We have threat, assess- threat assessment processes, which we which we um, view frequently with school psychologists, school sociologists, school guidance counselors. You guys are missing the point. Everybody's doing the very best that they can do. So you're saying
0: uh, – Good for you, John. I'll give you an award someday for it. Decisions. Look. Okay. Look. What, what, what you said, I just along. want to clarify you what you me. said, John. What you said was that the police officer at the front door is going to stop the knife from getting in. Are police officers patting down everybody that, that enters a school?
3: I didn't say that. Okay, so how are I you going to stop a...
0: somebody from bringing a knife into school and shanking someone? You, you could never stop that as well. Okay, you could, if then if you don't tell me the, the principal's yes, job yes. is to stop that from happening, to prevent weapons from getting well, on I campus just, because it, it doesn't it, do anything. Well,
5: the principal's job is to make the school safe. All right. So, the second he doesn't make the school safe, you guys and everybody else is going to be suing him. I can't sue the, the principal. Say,
0: not doing
1: what are you talking about? I've never are my, I would never send my son to a public
0: school, so I'm not going to right. be in the position Me, to, to sue any of the bureaucrats. But, but, I'm but the sorry. bureaucrats are immune anyway. They have sovereign <laughs> immunity. They can't be targeted for stuff like oh, this. Oh, sure they can't. Oh, Nonsense. Sure they do. You
5: can't. They get sued, and they say you can't wear a T-shirt with a, with a certain saying on it. That's the, saying. That's the school.
1: No, That's the school, not the individual. That
5: goes to court.
0: It's the principal that I do I, I would love to well, see the story. Well, the principal's story.
1: name's on it, but they're not going to take away his house and his big old salary. Um, yes, oh, when yeah, you sue are. an organization, no the immunity. principal's name shows up on – You know, if, if you sue, sue, a, sue a school, you're going to have the principal's name on the uh, lawsuit. But – It doesn't go after him directly. It goes after him in the capacity as principal. So
0: let's go back to the courtroom situation, John, that we were asking you about. Some young man gets caught with a bud of marijuana on campus, sentenced to some sort of treatment, as you were suggesting earlier. But Mark uh, pointed out that, well, what if he doesn't think he has a problem and doesn't want to go to the treatment? You then said it would probably go to court. Well, okay, then what happens?
5: Well, the judge can order him into treatment.
0: Well, What does that mean?
5: He could order him to be on probation or to go into treatment. Um, so if he doesn't with,
0: want to go into treatment, then what will happen?
5: I'm not quite sure because I haven't seen too many 15-year-olds when they get in front of a judge on a marijuana charge refusing what the judge is offering. Sure.
1: Uh, people people uh, you know very often will bend to the system. I mean, that's, it, it, I, you know, it's it, a it happens. It's
5: an addictive drug, and they need, they need help. So it's they're, addictive? They're gonna... Is that what you said? Marijuana? Oh, certainly. No, the science doesn't sense. agree with you.
0: Okay, I want to bring Matt just, on. He wants you... to say something to you. Matt, you're on from Illinois. You're on with John in Virginia
6: guys um john was saying about resource officers uh making children think that they're safe now i've raised five kids my sister's a teacher my father was a teacher i have a brother who's a teacher Uh, i was almost a teacher but i didn't go that route and in the school that that my kids go to, they have resource officers. And to a child, they don't think they're safer. They feel like they're imprisoned.
5: Oh, that's just nonsense.
6: Oh, no, it's not. I have not. contact so with day. You're telling me my children are day. full of, of crap? You're telling me my children are full of nonsense? I, now, I, that, I had that, a resource that, that officer, I and I didn't feel that 19. I was think. imprisoned, but, but I didn't feel safer because of it i never felt endangered at school at all with or without resource officers now granted i was raised in the suburbs my children are in the suburbs we're not in the cities where you have you know problems so why do we need resource officers there i never felt like i needed a resource officer
0: john do you want to answer that question you want to hang on through the news or do you have to go
3: All right, Thanks for the call, dude. I appreciate your
0: time tonight. We'll just leave it rhetorically. Why do we need school resource officers? Shouldn't it be up to the marketplace to decide? Let's talk a little bit more about marketizing the schools and the solution to this zero-tolerance madness here coming up in hour number two. Also, if you've got a story you want to share in relation to it or something completely different, dial on in and bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial in toll-free. We're launching here into the second hour of the Saturday edition of the program. We are live here taking your calls about uh, virtually anything. Toll-free number 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by our friends at SACL CAI. 800-259-9231. Uh, we started the show out in the, the first hour by talking about the insanity of zero tolerance. And I really didn't think... Honestly, Mark, when I asked the question about somebody calling in to defend zero tolerance, I didn't really think we were going to get one, but we did. We, we got a,
1: a guy who was very good at it, too, I must say. Uh, John made a uh, you know a good run at it. Um, and, and
0: But he was just defending mindlessness. He was just defending arbitrary, uh, capricious rule over, over young people. I mean, essentially, the zero tolerance rules are that if you've got anything that resembles a drug or a weapon and you're on a school campus as a student you can get in some pretty serious trouble as a result of that. It doesn't matter if it's your asthma inhaler, and it doesn't matter if it's a butter knife. Or in this case, it was a two-inch blade that a young man had. who was an Eagle Scout and an honor student. A uh, two-inch blade he had in an emergency kit in his car. And he lives in upstate New York, so emergency kits are something that's a good idea to have in case you get plowed into a snowbank somewhere and are maybe freezing to death. These are one of the things that emergency kits come in handy for up here. So uh, so John was on the line with us, and he was just defending the, uh, the process. It didn't well, matter what uh, the kid's status was or what his history was. You know, the punishment must be meted out. Zero tolerance is zero tolerance. He didn't
1: like the punishment. Uh that the kid got, but he basically said, look, everybody has to be run through the system for bringing a weapon, uh, a two-inch blade. Next week it'll be an eight-inch blade. Next week it'll be a samurai sword, you know, and essentially the same sort of uh, slippery slope argument that has disarmed the nation.
0: Let's go back to Matt briefly here in Illinois. Uh, Matt, I know you had something additional you wanted to add, uh, so go ahead.
6: Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that I know that the gentleman was trying to defend his his job. And, and it's very difficult to be objective when uh, when you're when you're defending your job, your work, your paycheck. And I don't think he was willing to listen to what people were saying. He he wasn't really willing to listen to the other side. No, because he had his side and he was stuck in it, and he was stuck in that paradigm, and he just couldn't see what other people were saying. Right. Well, uh, when I brought up when I brought up that what my children were telling me about their school, and, and personally I've, I went to the school a couple of times and I understood what they meant because I felt like I was walking into a prison. and when he just he pushes that off and says, "That's ridiculous and refuses to listen to what other people are saying, he's just not willing. To take into account other people's
0: feelings, right? In well, his world, you, every cop is a hero, and it's all uh, it's all it's, rose-colored glasses stuff.
1: It can be tough for some police officers who deal day in and day out with the lowest common denominator to deal basically with normal folks. Um, you know that <laughs> the world ends up being rule violations for them, and the fact is, their rules uh, when violated they can ruin somebody's life. They can make it so a kid caught with a joint cannot get a job in, you know, some 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 job that he wants to get in the future. Mm-hmm. And or, you know, this kid here who gets uh, caught with a 2-inch pocket knife locked in his car and it, he wants to go to West Point and West Point has very strict, uh, you know, entrance guidelines. He may very well not get in for this 20-day suspension.
0: The rules are the rules,
1: Mark. Laws the law. Yeah, screw it.
6: Right.
0: Any and, other thoughts on that? Like he he, he like could be said, the next Patton,
1: you know?
6: I, I understand that. I'm just hoping that he, in, in the future, he'll think about this, and he'll take into account. I'm hoping that he comes up with some empathy inside of him. I think that's a big problem that people have today, is people don't have empathy. And you need to be able to listen and understand what other people are saying and at least acknowledge that they do have a point.
0: because Thanks, Sometimes
6: Matt. you can disagree with them, but they can still have
0: a point. Well said. I appreciate the call tonight. 800 259 9231. What's your point? Share us with it. Uh, share hit with us, rather, at 800 259 9231. As we continue taking your phone calls, Dave, listening in Montana. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Dave.
8: Greetings from high atop of the Purple Mountain Majesties. It's hey. 10, 10 degrees this morning.
0: Oh, boy. Yikes. What's on your mind tonight?
8: Hey, uh, I'm all for the zero tolerance, man, but they're using it on the wrong people. The school kids is the other end of the stick. they got to use it on, like, the law enforcement, the politicians, the judicial system.
0: Well, what do you mean when you say that, when you say zero tolerance on law enforcement?
8: When they get caught doing something wrong, bang, (laughs) right out, or, you know, it's uh, not a bad uh,
0: idea. Yeah. And, you then,
8: and then they'll see how it is. And then they'll say they they were putting the same thing on kids for an aspirin. There was a story yep. about a girl brought an aspirin to school. She got in trouble. Absolutely. Zero
1: tolerance for bureaucrats violating the rules. I like that. Yeah. Also, um, if you're going di- to disarm the kids, happen, if you're disarming the kids going into school and disarming the teachers going into school, disarming the administrators going into school, you should disarm the the uh, law enforcement officers going into school. And too. they should
8: all have drug tests taken, too, I think. They're put they're. Given all the kids' drug tests, I think it's all only fair. everybody that holds political office or any kind of teacher or cop or all them guys. You know, man, what I like they,
0: about you, Dave. You're an innovator. I appreciate it. Any other thoughts? Also, uh, yes,
8: sir. What, what is it now? Here, I, I was going <laughs> to. I don't know. You got to make notes.
0: Got to make notes because oh, we're oh, short on time. Yes, sir. Go ahead.
8: What is, the this Obama thing with the Nobel Prize? So,
0: yeah, what a joke, huh?
8: well i i think he gave away see this was this is all planned orchestrated see when when he gave his his little speech saying you know he was surprised and everything he used this one phrase he says it's in cooperation with the affirmation of other countries see he, he, his whole little uh, gig that he's got going here this is to give him clout, to give him something under his belt. He ain't got nothing under his belt. He's The U.N. is all behind these Nobel Prizes. Well, he's
0: certainly not a man of peace, so it's just laughable right on its face. Thank you, Dave, right. for the call tonight. So, Always appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL-CAI toll-free line. Uh, you can bring up whatever you want. You know, Dave mentioned zero tolerance for the bureaucrats, and I think it's a fine idea. I really do. I think that uh, that would be great. But it'll probably never
1: happen. Sure, I mean the people that make the rules are not going to make the rules like that tough yeah. on themselves. Exactly. They just
0: don't do that. Right. They might miss out on their pension then. Right. You they know, make I mean, a
1: mistake. <laughs> they're worried about a two-inch blade locked in a kid's car. However, a police officer walks around with a gun on his hip in school. I'm just assuming. I don't know. Um, I mean, some kid can't sneak up behind him, grab the pistol, and start shooting. Well, they
0: they've got a. a to defend the police in this particular case most officers i believe have a special holster that it's kind of tricky to open up. oh is it okay. yeah i, I don't mean, even know this stuff yeah you need to know how to open it in order to open it for the officer it's not a problem they've practiced at it it's no big deal it's yeah you know it's essentially like the child proof holster basically or it's adult proof if you don't know how to open it you'll have a difficult time thank goodness yeah that's as i understand it maybe not all police departments have that but it's it seems to be pretty standard uh toll-free number eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one but yeah the bureaucrats aren't going to uh, to play by the same rules you can you can find example after example of government bureaucrats police or city council or whoever acting out breaking their own rules and then just watch as they cover it up you can just watch as the uh, the police department spokesman will blow it off, or they'll say, "Well, we've investigated the situation, and we've found out that our officers were playing by the book." Yeah, sure, they shot that man in the back, but that's okay. Our rules say you can. <laughs> you know, whatever our rules say is okay by us. So there, there's just not you know 99 times out of a hundred that some bureaucrat is in hot water. It's the water's t- turned down. It's not so hot anymore. After a few weeks have gone by, eventually they just let the guy out of the hot water, and they give him a desk job for a few weeks, and they, you know, maybe we'll reassign him to uh, to an on-duty patrol. There's very rarely any kind of punishment for these people. And they know that they're they're completely insulated from any serious punishment. The cop that was on the phone earlier was saying, well, well you could sue the principal. I mean, if the principal had to make a decision based on factors in the case, if, you, if your son got caught with a two-inch blade in the back of his car, locked in his car as part of a A safety kit, and the uh, the principal was to look at that and say, ah, it's no big deal. And then if he was to catch somebody else with a blade in their pocket after they threaten somebody and punish him, they could be sued for uh, not going the same punishment against those. Right? They'd be discriminating against those kids, and it's nonsense. Most bureaucrats have sovereign immunity. They're completely untouchable. You could sue the school district, but then you're still suing the government in the government's own courts. It's very unlikely you'll, you'll win in those cases. And you have to have a bunch of money or know some lawyer that's willing to go up against the state. Which, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's damn difficult. 800 259 9231. You can share whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live.
4: Listen up for something free from Ruger. From now until the end of the year, buy any new Ruger bolt-action rifle and receive a free Ruger-branded Carhartt jacket, both made in America. For more information, go to Ruger.com slash Carhartt. That's Ruger.com slash C-A-R-H-A-R-T-T. Ruger rifles are known for their rugged reliability, handsome style, unique design features, and represent the best value in rifles. Go to Ruger.com and check out a Ruger rifle today.
0: This is Free Talk Live. It's the Saturday edition of the program. We invite you to take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever you want toll free at 800 259 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. Tonight it's Ian with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We have the live streams. There are broadband versions and dial up versions of the show a webcam version, and listen lines. You can now tune in to Free Talk Live anywhere you can dial long distance from. So your cell phone, your home phone, uh, whatever you can dial long distance from, There's uh, all of those details are at listen.freetalklive.com. And by the way, the Free Talk Live Listen lines are brought to you by Startpage.com.
1: Yep, you take the start, Startpage.com seven-day challenge. For seven days, use Startpage.com instead of your Big Brother search engine and experience the difference. You'll get search results aggregated from 12 major search engines, and unlike your old search engine, you'll have complete privacy in your search. Uh, The reason that search engines exist and that they're free, well, is because they aggregate that information. They put cookies on your uh, computer, and, well, they sell you. Start the seven-day challenge today at StartPage.com.
0: All right, so let's continue here with your phone calls. Ladies first. Kim is listening in Louisiana to KBYO FM. Hello, Kim. You're on Free Talk Live.
9: Yeah. Hey, I just had a story that I might that I thought you might think was interesting. It's a true story. It happened to me and my son.
0: Okay, do tell.
9: Um, he he is a good student. He never got in trouble with anything at school. Maybe a dress code violation here and there. And uh bought him a truck for his birthday in November. And in May. Uh, they had a police dog come out, and they found a small bag of weed in his truck. Mm. And they towed his truck, slapped him with the cuffs, charged him with a felony, and suspended ah. him from yes, yeah, suspended him from May to May. He failed all the classes in May, and he can't go back to school until May. He can't go to any other public school in Louisiana.
0: Could could he go and get a GED?
9: I don't want him to do that. Why? But yes, he could. Why not? Well, I want him to get his high school diploma somewhere. There's no difference. To to a, I want him to go to a good
1: college. But, but no Colleges difference. don't care whether you have a GED or not. And if you went to, especially if you go to a community college um, for the first two years, and then you know take all your core requirements significantly more cheaply, and then you can just apply those. The university doesn't care, especially if you've got two years under your belt of community college. As a matter of fact, well, they, they legally have to take you. Even with a felony? Yeah. I, I don't know about felonies. If it's drug-related, I don't think... Well, I if think you're paying
0: for it, they'll take you. Yeah, they,
1: ha- I I don't know about whether they have to take you with a felony. I know that you are not necessarily eligible for all uh, government grants if you have a drug felony.
0: What we're trying to say, uh, Kim, is that the GED is equivalent of the high school diploma, and it's pretty easy to attain. So I don't really know why you'd want to send your son back to that same school. Or homeschool
1: it. I
9: don't. I don't want to send him back to the same school, but he wants to go back to show him that, hey, I can come back. And y'all didn't get me. He, you know, he's 16. He thinks he knows everything. But um, I taught him all his life, you don't want to get a GED. You want to go on and, and get your diploma and get your scholarship. And
0: Now, why did you teach and, him that? Is is it because you were told that the high school diploma is somehow better than a GED?
9: I had some cousins that dropped out of school. Mm-hmm. and I didn't want him to drop out of school, and they never went and got a GED, and they never did anything. Yeah. I see. So I just, I just tried to instill it in him, you don't drop out of school.
1: Yeah. You know, then, I, I think that happens with a lot of kids. They imagine they're going to get a GED. They drop out. They say, oh, yeah, I'll get a GED, and they probably have no intention, or that, or it never happens.
0: But, but he's out. Right. Let me see if I've understood you right. He's out of school for the remainder of this school year?
9: Yes. I ha- I put him in a boys' home, a mm-hmm. group home, so he can get – that's the only place that they would let him get his um that his credits could transfer when he's able to go back to school.
0: Um I- I would highly suggest taking another look at the GED option. It, th- he could probably wrap up that GED within this year and be completely done with high school. He could start college a year or so early. Uh, as a result of this, I would I would look at this as an opportunity that they've uh, they've given you the gift of an excuse to not have to go to these awful government schools <laughs> where they're in yeah. I mean, he's in danger on a regular basis of uh, something else happening like this once he goes back. They may decide they don't like him and they want to target him for something else so why why spend the whole year
9: they don't like him he was dating the school board superintendent's daughter oh boy yeah and he didn't and you know i don't know if this is a mandatory punishment if it's what y'all are talking about now but i thought a year was kind of
1: that's crazy crazy to me yeah
3: it's uh, it's excessive
9: the pot was was found on the passenger side Mm -hmm. you know he you know i'm not saying it was or was not his but he has a lot of friends they all hang out They all ride around. They didn't give him any kind of benefit of the doubt. And he, uh, he played football and baseball. They had random drug tests all throughout the year. He never failed a drug test. He was not on drugs.
0: It's hard it, it, to not okay. fail the pot uh, pot test because it stays in your if you're a regular pot user, it stays in your yeah. system for a good four weeks or so from what I understand, so yeah. you're probably right it's it's probably the case either he's not using it a lot or whatever, and it doesn't matter to me I mean it's just marijuana it's no big deal yeah. uh it's I mean, I mean it was
9: like it was a damn gun. Yeah.
0: no it's all right it's all right I totally understand <laughs> look take another look into the GED take a fresh look at it because I think it's uh, it's something that could get your son out of the government high school system into college yeah. a year or so early and it could make his life a hell of a lot easier there's really no reason to graduate with a high school diploma we were just talking uh, last night about college and how in many cases it's not even worthwhile for many people that uh, that go to it and in yeah. that discussion we pointed out that most employers if you write that you've had a you've gotten a high school diploma on your job application you don't check that employers don't check it out to see if somebody has you could you could not have a ged at all and you could check that you had a high school diploma and no one would ever check that so i'm not i'm not advocating being dishonest necessarily but if you've gotten a ged it's the equivalent you can go off to community college if that's what he wants to do and he could do it next year i thank you for the call good luck kim appreciate hearing from you 800-259-9231 they plant this in people's heads They plant this idea that oh you gotta have a high school diploma. At the very least you have to have a high school diploma. But you don't have to. In fact the GED is equivalent, uh for all things considered. And it's so easy.
1: If all I was going to achieve was a high school uh, you know, diploma, then I would think that a high school diploma would be good. But if you intended to go on to college um then I, you know, for one, a high school diploma is barely worth anything in this world. I'm sorry uh, if you're if you're comparing it to college and all this other stuff. It uh, you know, I just I guess I just don't see the value in uh, finishing out school. If you if you want to go to college, take your GED, go off to community yeah. college. I wish I'd two years in there.
0: I wish I'd know more about that as I was wrapping up. I feel
1: like uh, two the first two years at university, unless you have like a, a scholarship are just not worth it unless your parents, you know, living with your parents is so arduous.
0: Let's go to Johnson in Connecticut. Johnson on the amp line. You're on Free Talk Live, gentlemen.
3: Hey there. Um, so
10: I was uh, rolling around the internet and I uh, came across this uh, post um, about a show on one of your affiliates, uh, WKBK.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
10: I, uh, this show called Talkback, and I heard about this post on a uh, blog called uh, FreeKeen.com. Maybe you've heard of it. Yes, <laughs> um, that's my blog. <laughs> Uh, so
3: I was listening to the show and, and just also listening to earlier uh,
10: ton- on tonight's uh, Free Talk Live, listening to the guy talking about, the you know, supporting these uh, zero-tolerance policies. Right. And it just it sort of made me think about something. And I guess I hear your break music. So yep, I'll, we're going to
0: come uh, back with more here. Off. What, Whatever you were thinking about, we'll find out in moments. Also talk to you about what you think is interesting. And relevant, 800-259-9231, or completely irrelevant. You can bring up anything here on Free Talk Live. It's the Saturday edition of the show. We're here live, taking your calls, 800-259-9231.
1: On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation. Well, now we've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some very special rates on some of my favorite gold and silver pieces. The 20 franc has been made and trusted worldwide. They're about a fifth of an ounce of gold, easily carried on your person in case of emergencies, untracked by the government, of a size that one can do business with. Who would turn down a 100-year-old gold coin? Get them for $233 a piece. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. Shipping is the same as it is for one coin as it is for 20. So try to get as many as you can at once. 877 857 9938.
0: Gold.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's the Saturday edition of the show. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever you want. Toll free at 800 259 9231. Still on the topic of zero tolerance, what we started the show out with. The original story was a young man in his, uh, what, about 17 years old in upstate New York caught with a two-inch blade in an emergency kit in the back of his truck, locked in his truck or locked in his car, car, and uh, was suspended for 20 days as a result of that. So far, we've had one guy call in to attempt to defend zero tolerance and its mindlessness of essentially treating everybody the same, regardless of what the circumstances are, regardless of who they are, regardless of what they had. Uh, This is a policy that you'll find all across the various different government schools in this country. It essentially uh, says that kids can't have anything that resembles a weapon or uh, might be considered a drug, and that includes their inhalers or aspirin unless they've begged for permission first from the bureaucrats uh, in order to have the the, the drugs. And, of course, there's completely zero tolerance on the weapons. You can't ask permission for that. So uh, we'll we'll continue with your phone calls. You can uh, bring up anything. Let's go back to Johnson in Connecticut. Uh, Johnson, you're back on Free Talk Live.
10: So I heard your caller earlier promoting zero tolerance, and I had listened to uh, TalkBack on WKBK, uh, which you had promoted on your blog, Um, which I guess to briefly describe TalkBack, it's just a bunch of bureaucrats generally who are hosting the show who talk about uh, their views. And it's just generally the same type of people who promote that zero tolerance policy. Mm what I found interesting is it reminded me of a conversation that, you know, we had had a long time ago, I guess it was probably like a month or two months ago, about voting and, and what the reasons are for voting. And I, I realized I never discussed or brought up what my primary reason for voting really is,
6: which is
10: um, I know people like Dale and like yourself to some extent, Ian, talk about how it legitimizes the system. and. To a certain extent, well, that's exactly why I vote, because I feel like it's going to be the only way to make a peaceful change. When you hear people talk about the activism that's going on in Keene, a lot of these status people and these zero-tolerance people are getting very angry, and they're getting very violent, mm-hmm. and they're doing things to the activists. And I think that the only way you're going to have a peaceful transition is if you can give these people a reason to say, look, you've been outvoted. And that's going to be the only way that you're going to have a peaceful solution. Just sole activism isn't going to work. And it's sort of, to me, it it makes me wonder, well, then what's the point of the Free State Project if it wasn't originally to try and get people to have this sort of voting power? I mean, that's what the
3: point of gathering all these people together was. At least it was in my mind when I signed
10: up. Me
0: too. Well, I'm not necessarily against voting. I voted before, so um, I I think...
10: that stands for when we had the conversation originally. I know you're not because you rent where you tried to run for mayor as nobody, but
0: right, <laughs> so right. obviously but i I don't necessarily I don't necessarily subscribe to the whole voting legitimizes the system thing. I think it's the obedience that uh, That legitimizes the system, I think it 's people bowing down that gives the system its its power i don 't think voting does anything uh, except essentially allows you to possibly cast some sort of defensive uh, vote in, in, you know in favor of protecting you from the maximum violence that could be enacted upon you. We know that the governments are going to enact violence upon people, and the idea for me for voting, if I'm going to vote for somebody, is to vote for somebody who will minimize the amount of violence. Uh, you, sometimes there's not a clear choice, in which in which case I won't I won't cast a vote. Uh, but if there is a clear choice, somebody like a Ron Paul, for instance, then yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and vote for that person because the the people that claim that voting legitimizes the system need to just look at the examples of the places where there have been 0% voter turnout. Uh, There have been examples of this where in – it's usually smaller towns, but nonetheless, they'll have 0% turnout. Not even the candidates will come out and vote for themselves. Also, any
1: system that requires 100% compliance is a crappy system.
0: But yet – but yet – with zero percent turnout, the government never just decides to throw, in a, throw up its arms and say, well, nobody's turned out, so clearly nobody wants us around anymore. We'll just throw, <laughs> we'll just throw in the towel here and go home." So I, I agree with you, Johnson. I don't think that voting is going to uh, save the day necessarily, but I think that you're right. I, I don't think that it's something that should be written off. And I and I have said that I don't think the political system here, in at least in New Hampshire, should be written off. I think in other places it's probably very difficult to get a hold of, like in California, for instance, where the so-called representatives representing hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, which, you know, as we know, it's impossible to represent two people accurately. So I think there's a big difference between New Hampshire's political system and other political systems around the country. But I think you're right. Any other thoughts for us?
10: I think it's you know, I think also if you're a peace activist that it's something that even if you find it distasteful or find that it legitimizes the system to a certain extent, which I also, I think that it's like, you know, I know you said you just went on that long spiel about how it doesn't legitimize the system, but I do think to a certain extent, it legitimizes the idea of majority rule. And you know what? For the people that believe in majority rule, they're never going to stop believing majority rule. And if we can get these people to peacefully either move on or, uh, sit down and stop uh, hurting other people simply by having a majority, then I think that's what needs to happen, uh, you know, in order to.
0: Well, Johnson, I hope that you'll, I hope you'll head that up here because I think that, I think that we, we've seen a lot of activism, at least here in the Keene area of New Hampshire. And of course, we're talking about the Free State Project, this, uh, this movement of thousands of liberty-oriented people all gathering in one geographic area. New Hampshire was chosen. The Keene area has, which is where we're doing the show from, has attracted more of an outside the system activist, somebody who's not so interested in politics and voting. But I think that what we're probably going to see in the next year or two is more inside the system people coming here to Keene and really giving the uh, the politicos here something to be concerned about because they they really aren't that concerned about the outside the system people. They're frustrated by them, but they're not too concerned as far as their own system is concerned. Uh, I think one of the other things that you're going to see is that people are the you know the statists and the government people that are here in the area are, are getting pretty si- uh, serious about it. There was a, one of the callers to the show you're talking about, which you can hear at freekeen.com. the local show, did say that she thought that the, the liberty activists should start to be taken seriously. seriously. Seriously, they're not to her. They're not a joke anymore. And I think that's one of the effects that the uh, the outside the system, civil disobedience activists can have on the status is it can frustrate the status to the point where they just say, screw this. I'm out of here. Because uh, right now, a lot of the status status. are very we're going to have to let you go. A lot of the status are very frustrated uh, by some of the what's happening to every single day down in the central square here in Keene is a 420 smokeout uh, cannabis celebration. People gathering together. In public, smoking cannabis out of everything that, you know, from joints to uh, bongs to pipes to various different. Somebody even brought out a hookah. Uh, the, the other day
1: and Not the best device to smoke from which to smoke marijuana a hookah is a tobacco smoking
0: device. And, and actually it was being uh, tobacco was being smoked out of it. But nonetheless, it was interesting seeing a hookah uh, being smoked in the gazebo in the, the town square. So uh, so this is going on. It's very frustrating to a lot of the inside the system status, the entrenched status. And they're upset because the police aren't coming out and cracking down. They want a crackdown. They want violence. They're agitating for that. They want some new regulation to be created. This is what they were talking about last week on this talkback program. They want a new regulation or a new ordinance come up with to prevent people from meeting in the park without a permit, that sort of thing. And so they're trying to come up with some sort of violent way to stop the uh, the marijuana smokers.
1: That is the tough thing for people that want to use laws to, uh, to solve problems, is that gosh darn Bill of Rights and the right of people to peaceably yeah. assemble. And, you know, they've done a pretty good job with the Supreme Court... Uh, the, you know the, the Constitution being written, so that the Supreme Court, rather than uh, the people, actually deciding, uh, you know, what the laws say. The Supreme Court decides what the Constitution says, and they believe that rights can be attenuated. Is the term that they mean, which means that the crap that was written down, we don't believe in it. We'll decide when it applies.
0: So what I was saying is I think that eventually the uh, the outside of the system civil disobedience uh, non cooperation stuff may frustrate a lot of the entrenched statists to the to just to the point of saying screw this I'm moving back to Massachusetts <laughs> or, or I'm moving back to New York State or or Vermont or wherever bye bye go back to Long Island or whatever statist hole they crawled out of. And I think that is a, a very, very tangible uh, positive effect, the direct positive effect that the uh, the outside the system activism can have. And I think that it's going to require both. I think that achieving liberty in our lifetime is going to require both. It's going to require people um, breaking bad laws that don't deserve to be obeyed in public, people non-cooperating when the government demands things of them. And at the same time, playing their little political game. You might as well. They set it up for you. You might as well play it because the news media gives you free attention. Even if you're like me and you don't even plan on taking office. I ran as nobody. My intention was to not take office. They get on the ballot in that way, and they did everything they could to keep me off the ballot because, oh my, what would have happened if I won? Anyway, more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Forget anything.
2: This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com.
0: This is Free Talk Live. It's the Saturday edition of the program. We invite you to take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever you want. Toll free at 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by Sickle CAI.
1: You have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients too.
0: SACL CAI, you can see their banner at freetalklive.com. All right, still to come, we still have to address zero tolerance from a solutions perspective. We've heard a lot of people and their thoughts on weapons and school and the asinine policy, in my opinion, of zero tolerance. But what to do about it? Don't let me forget to address that, Mark. 800-259-9231. We're still going to take your calls about anything. That is the point of the program. And we'll go to Cooper in New Hampshire on the Ampline. Cooper, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey. What's up, guys? What's on your mind tonight, Cooper? Um...
11: I just wanted to weigh in on the uh, zero-tolerance issue here. uh, Yes, sir, as
0: an Eagle Scout. Yes. Okay.
11: Um, Eagle Scout, I I, I bring my pocket knife with me everywhere I go, work, school. I uh, had it with me all four years of high school. Really? Never had a problem with it.
0: So did your high school not have a zero-tolerance policy?
11: Oh, they certainly did.
0: How did you get away with
11: it? I just never threatened anyone with it?
0: Well, did you keep your mouth shut? Did you Did you tell your friends you had it? Because usually that's all it takes is to just tell some blabbermouth that you have it, and then they go and tell somebody else, who tells the uh, the principal.
12: I'm I'm sure I told my friends
11: about it, but they they never had any problem with it. My, my brother actually had a problem with this this exact same situation. He he had his pocket knife with him, you know, never intended to use it. Same as me, he's a scout, mm-hmm. and. uh uh, someone told the principal or the dean on him, and he got the knife taken away. He got suspended. I don't remember what the punish punishment was, but uh, my dad got called about it. But then he was able to pick it up, like, at the end of the day mm. and went home.
1: You know, I think that um, this is what a reasonable principal does in this circumstance is they confiscate the, – you know, they, they've got their rules, which is the zero-tolerance thing or whatever. They confiscate the knife. They tell the kid, look, you can't have a knife on uh, campus and they hold it until the end of the day and they give it back to him
0: yeah and next time kid don't tell us you do because the the guy we were talking about the 17-year-old eagle scout honor student who got caught with a knife 2-inch blade in the back of his car locked up uh, locked in his car in an emergency kit he did admit to it when he was questioned he answered and he told them the truth you're better off not answering the question you're better off not uh, not <laughs> Uh, you, you you can't really get in trouble in high school for lying to the principal in that particular case. So I would say either don't answer or tell them. But you scouts don't, have
1: don't tell lies. Yeah. <laughs> and but when a, when when asked by authority
0: figures, it's going to be difficult
1: for a scout to say. Hey, yeah, I understand. Stick it, Buster.
0: Cooper, would you have a problem uh, saying no? There's no knife in the back of my car. I don't know where you would have heard that.
11: I, I would definitely not have had a problem with lying to my bureaucrats. They lie to me all the time. There
0: you go. That's what they do for a living. Exactly. Any other thoughts Brad. tonight?
11: Well, I just thought it was interesting that um, the, the New York has this crazy no-tolerance no policy, and I grew up really close to Columbine High School when that, when that all happened. Mm. And I, was, I brought, brought my pocket knife with me every day, and they have a fairly lax, I guess, quote-unquote, uh, weapons policy. I just find that interesting.
0: Thanks yeah. for sharing tonight, Cooper. I appreciate hearing from you. Let's talk to, I believe, Gene, the Christian anarchist, is with us in Tennessee. Gene, you're on Free Talk Live.
13: Hi, guys. I got three quick points. I know you're busy, and I know it's Saturday.
0: All right. Go for uh, it.
13: Number one, and it's all regarding the zero tolerance. Number one, I'm at a high school band competition right now, and uh, the girls out on the field have uh, rifles and swords that they're spinning around and throwing up in the air. So. <laughs>
0: well, that's dangerous. You know, Someone could get hurt. Wait, why they are they cracking down on the, uh, the cheerleaders?
13: Yeah. Well, of course, they're fake rifles and swords, but, uh, you uh-huh. know... Tolerance thing, I've heard of people getting in trouble for drawing a gun on a piece of paper. So
0: That's uh, true. You know, but wait and, a minute. It's, uh, what are they called? The color guard? What, what's that called? Those aren't cheerleaders. Yeah, what guard, are they called? Guard. They're, guard?
13: they're the color guard. Okay. And secondly, second point, they all of, the kids school,
3: yeah,
13: all of the kids who drive to school have a tire iron in their trunk, or most of them do. If they've mm-hmm. got all the equipment they need to change their tire, Right. I'll take a tire iron over a two-inch knife any day. And number three, uh, I'm not terribly old. Mark mentioned that in the old days gone by, people could take guns to school, and I, I don't consider myself extremely old. And I used to take a rifle to school in eighth grade for rifle club I'll once a damn. week.
1: What did you do with it?
13: This was in the 60s, okay. and uh, we w- I would take the thing on a city bus. I would ride the city wow. bus to with my rifle in its case in 1964, I believe. No, maybe it was 1965,
3: mm-hmm.
13: and it was in the St. On the St. Paul City uh, buses. Wow! So I wasn't I wasn't living in a rural area. I was in the capital city of the state of Minnesota.
0: Forty years ago, that's over forty years ago. And so Where did you park the uh, the
1: gun during the day?
13: You know my my. Memory is a little fuzzy. I can't remember, but I think our rifle club had a room, one of the rooms designated for that mm-hmm. purpose, and they, we would just walk into the school with our rifles and drop it off wherever the heck we were supposed to drop it off, and at the end of the day we had our rifle shoot underneath the school. So No, We okay. were trained to, we were trained in the safe handling of firearms but, in 8th grade.
0: But now wait a minute. Let me let me play a little hardball with you here, Gene. See if I can take the position of maybe that cop that was uh, was on the line earlier. What about the, you know, when kids got into fights? I mean, certainly kids must have gotten into fights back then. Aren't you a little worried that one of them would have picked up their rifle and uh, decided to, to plink another one of their, their classmates?
13: You know what? Kids did get into fights back then, surprisingly enough. And, uh, you know that you probably could find an incident if you went back through the records of some uh, eighth-grader shooting another eighth-grader. I'm sure it happens. You know what? It happens today as well, mm-hmm. even with the zero policy. In fact, it probably happens more today with the zero t- policy than it ever did when yeah. we had j- as youngsters.
0: I bet that's true. But you never experienced anything like that. I mean, even in the the fights that you'd gotten into, we're, they never got that down and dirty.
13: Never experienced anything like that. Uh, kids, uh I mean... An eighth-grade student, an eighth-grade child is capable of rational thought if you give them some responsibility. It's treating them like babies that makes them act like babies.
0: I agree completely with that statement. Thank you, Gene. I appreciate hearing from you. And that's really one of the biggest problems, I think, today with the, the way young people are treated is they're treated like children all the way up through the point where they're getting out of college. They're treated like children. And I complete. I think I love how Gene put that. If you treat them like babies, they're going to act that way. If you treat them like children, they'll act that way. That's why you see these petulant uh, youths in their in their teens that just seem so shiftless and lazy and and do nothing because they're not allowed to grow up. By law, they're prevented from growing up. They can't go get a job even if they want one because they're prevented by federal statutes from getting a job. No employer is going to hire them. They can't legally.
1: You know, I had a job um, when it was I basically basically illegal. Um, I had a job from the age of 12, and I feel that it was, you know, very valuable. It taught me some oh, yeah. some skills that kids just don't have that mm-hmm. are uh, in high school, getting out of high school. Like, you don't learn that
0: in school. You don't learn how to interact with people that aren't your age in school, and you barely learn how to interact with people your age in school.
1: You don't, you don't learn how to interact with people that are customers from whom you're yes. making money. Uh, you know, you don't learn that kind of. Uh, I I don't I don't know how to describe it. That kind of to give humble and to that, some extent, yeah, you're, that, you're... that give and take that, that goes on. It's top down authoritarianism, and uh, from the you know the teacher to the student, you respect me, kid, or I'm going to send you to the principal's office. Yep. And then the principals, you respect me, or I'm going to paddle your butt and whatever. That that doesn't prepare a kid for the interactions that they're going to have in the real world where.
0: You treat me with respect or I'm not coming back to your store. So what do you do about zero tolerance? Well you're not going to find a solution in the government school system because the only way you could possibly change their system is to work within it to go and run for the school board and have your buddies run for the school board and try to rally enough people to vote for you to possibly uh, take over and who knows, maybe it's not even a school board decision, maybe it's a state level decision I don't know how it's all done across the country because it's probably different uh, but maybe maybe you have to take over the legislature in order to do that. You're talking about a very difficult process. It would make more sense to just keep your kids the hell out of the government schools, keep them in uh, a home schooling situation or unschooled as uh, as Bodie was telling us about last night and uh and you know give them the opportunity to learn at the, uh, learn the things they're interested in at their own pace or send them off to a private school where they'll, they'll get a decent education now you might be saying well I can't afford to do those things well then we do are we really are in a tough spot aren't we because we're forced to pay for the government schools it doesn't matter what we think about them. It doesn't matter how awful we believe that they are, we know that they are, and how destructive they can be uh, to, an, to a young person's self-esteem or to their, their potential. But even if you're frustrated with the government schools, there's not a damn thing you can do. You'll still have to pay for it because they're going to take your house from you if you don't. Around here, at 60% of property taxes. In your area, it's 80%, Mark. That's correct. Uh, 60 to 80% of property taxes go to the government schools. I don't have kids. I would never send them to the government school. You have a young, uh, almost two-year-old, Mark, and uh, you're not going to send him to the government school, but yet you're paying thousands of dollars every single uh, year to pay for these uh, the system that you don't believe in. I think the only solution there is to get together with enough like-minded parents and just stop paying. And then let them try to take their, let them try to take a dozen parents' houses and see what happens. 800-259-9231, but, you know, that'll take risk. And most people aren't willing to do that. Hour number three's coming up. You can bring up anything. This is This is Ian. Have you heard of the Millionaire Patriot? You should. He has a free handgun and five days of firearms training waiting for you. That's right. You can attend five days of world-class gun training at Front Sight Firearms Training Institute and secure a 30-state concealed weapon permit, all for pennies on the dollar. Plus, if you act fast, the Millionaire Patriot will give you a free Springfield Armory XD pistol in the caliber of your choice. Now is the time. You and your family need to be armed and trained to levels that exceed law enforcement and military standards. Front Sight provides such training without any boot camp mentality or drill instructor attitudes. And the Millionaire Patriot is paying his own money to help you get it. This is real. Thousands have already taken advantage of it, and you should, too. Don't miss out. Secure a Front Sight defensive handgun course plus 30-state concealed weapon permit for pennies on the dollar and get your free handgun. Go to FrontSight.com today. That's F-R-O-N-T-S-I-G-H-T dot com. Go to com for your training and free gun. Again, that's dot FrontSight.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's the Saturday edition of the program. Taking your phone calls about whatever you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. As we launch here into the third hour of the program tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Those other talk show hosts want to charge you for their sites. We give ours away, so enjoy freetalklive.com. We go to your phone calls. Special guest caller is on the line with us, uh, Jason Talley from the Motorhome Diaries. Jason, it's been too long since we've had you on the program. Welcome back.
14: Hey, it's good to be back. Hey, Ian. Hey, Mark. How you doing?
0: Just hey. super. Uh, you are one of the uh, the crew, one of the trio, the triumvirate of the Motorhome Diaries at motorhomediaries.com. You've been traveling around the country since, I think, roughly March uh, in a yellow and black motorhome custom painted by you guys uh, yourselves. And you've got our Free Talk Live advertisement on the back, as a matter of fact, um, which is great, by the way. Uh, but you've been traveling around the country in search of liberty. Isn't that right?
14: That's right. We're doing a, a documentary and... So it's, We call it an almost real-time documentary because we've been going around, and we have, at this point, probably about 160 videos up on our YouTube account. Wow. Uh, from various things, from uh, you know, interviews. I know you and I did one, um, uh, Ian, and then we also like talked to like policy scholars, activists. Uh, we were just in Ruby Ridge, Idaho, today, uh, where uh, Pete uh, took some video of that story. And then a couple of days before that, we were in a uh, nuclear fallout shelter, uh, and we got a tour of one of those. So hmm. it's been really
3: interesting.
0: You guys have been all over the map as far as meeting various different people of a liberty-oriented persuasion and interviewing them, talking to them, uh, everything from academics to uh, boots-on-the-ground civil disobedience activists. It's been an interesting uh, ride, at least from what I can tell from watching the videos, and those are all available at MotorhomeDiaries.com. But one of the reasons why I particularly wanted to have you on the show tonight was uh, because you guys traveled through Hardin, Montana recently, and I think it was on last week's show, Mark, that we talked about Hardin. Uh, it's a situation – there was a situation developing there that was kind of disturbing. Basically, what had happened was this prison was built by the, the government of Hardin kind of on this speculative basis that, well, if we build a prison, we'll fill it with prisoners. <laughs> and uh turned out that that didn't work out for whatever reason, and they had this empty prison just sitting there. And then there was this kind of just – Spooky company, this private company that came in and started bidding on the prison, uh, that was not revealing who its parent company was, and being being very conciliatory of uh, of certain information, and and there were some questionable things about the the guy that was running the company, and it really looked like essentially a private uh, corporation uh, police force was taking over the town of Hardin. Is that your understanding, Jason? What what more do you know about it? Because you actually went through the town of Hardin recently and made a stop there.
14: Right. Well. I- I first heard about this because uh, people that have been following Motorhome Diaries sent us some news tips about it, and we were driving right through then, right as this thing was heating up. So we're like, okay, it's not really our thing, you know, it's not uh, you know part of this documentary project, but we do have to stop and we do have to put out a video about it. And so um, it's really just a, um, a a dark comedy of errors. Uh, this private security company that everybody was afraid of—it's—they're um, just trying to get this government contract. They see uh, an empty prison there, and um, this town is in desperate shape. This is the same town. So they built this prison, like you said, and it has remained empty because the state of Montana won't move any of its prisoners there, and has a law that says um, Montana will not accept any out-of-state prisoners. So Hardin, Montana was trying to capitalize on this uh, lucrative trade of um, uh, storing prisoners in, in their place, and they thought mm-hmm. they could get 110 jobs for their community that way. It just didn't work out, so they have this empty prison. Obviously, their citizens are rightfully upset that they, you know, gambled this taxpayers' dollars on it. And so you see, um, they they wanted the federal government to use it to um, house some uh, Guantanamo Bay prisoners uh, a few years back, and uh, then it was it was uh, getting ready to sign a contract with this uh, private security company. I mean, this happens all the time. Private security companies uh, do manage prisons. Uh, A lot of times they're owned by themselves. But uh, what you saw here was uh, this guy who runs the company is a convicted felon himself and doesn't really have much security background. He, like, uh, owns some restaurants and some other assorted businesses. And so... um, he was now going to get in the security business, and he was like just very overzealous and talking with the city. He said, "Yeah, we can even run your uh, uh, your law enforcement in town." Mm-hmm. And so they had a couple of Mercedes that they uh, painted and put hardened um, city police on it, uh, which they weren't authorized to do. <laughs> um, and so that's what got everybody really spooked. They thought it was a, a private uh, company, but there was really nothing to this company at all. Interesting. Um, their their employee on the ground is uh, she used to work at the Billings gazette and so she actually was covering this story until um, the company hired her to be uh, their their shill mm-hmm. and then um, but it just then all this information came out about uh, the the company and there just
0: wasn't much there. What what I found interesting about this was that there was a lot of hub uh, hubbub about it. We were pretty concerned because you know the issue is the the question I guess is well. I'm all in favor of uh, marketizing things and shifting the the burden of taking care of certain services away from government and to the marketplace. But privatization isn't marketization, in my opinion, and privatization is where – the government gives a special uh, monopoly privilege to a certain company in order to handle whatever the government's whatever was the government was handling so if it's the government handing over uh, policing services to a private company they still have the monopoly on policing services and because they're not the government uh, agents they even it would seem like they're a, a little bit even less accountable and that they haven't sworn an oath to the Constitution not that the government agents really care about the oath they've sworn but I mean the private guys aren't even swearing that stuff so it was a little bit Spooky, and we were we were talking about it. We said we'd keep an eye on things. And so when I saw you post your most one of your more recent videos over at MotorHomeDiaries.com, when you guys stopped into Harden I thought, wow, okay, these guys are actually there on the ground. They've experienced what's happening there. You've talked to the folks in Harden. In fact, you went to uh, the city council meeting where you got some footage of the city councilors basically backing down from this. They uh, essentially said, well, we didn't realize what was going on. We didn't have full information. And they basically, it seemed like at that meeting, they essentially threw out the idea, at least, or they put it on uh, on hold, essentially, the idea of leasing out this jail to this private company.
14: Right. Uh, that room was full of media. It was actually very fortuitous. We had no idea that there was going to be a commission meeting that day. Uh, but we uh, rolled up because we wanted to ask the uh, also, some questions, and uh, they had that meeting scheduled. So we were able to uh, take some footage um, of them backtracking. But, I mean, that prison has been empty. I mean, if you want to find a use for it, put those politicians in there because <laughs> they're the ones that are, are, are more than willing to steal from these residents, which are already in you know bad enough shape. I mean, right. this whole jail scheme was a way to get jobs for the community.
0: And, and what so, so a convoluted bunch of nonsense. Wasn't it something like $27 million to build the jail?
14: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's weird. I mean, because it was a a Texas consortium that had advised Harden to do this. And so, uh, you know, they want cities to do that because they have the unlimited ability to tax its residents. So they had that um, to back up its bonds, which it's defaulted on. Yeah, of course, because it's an, it's just an empty prison.
0: Well, what a great example of the seen and the unseen, right? Because we can see that they spent this tw- they stole 27 million dollars from people through property taxes and whatever else, and they spent it to build this prison with the promise that oh, don't worry, folks, it'll create jobs, 100 something jobs we created. Well, how many jobs would have been created in the marketplace had the local business owners and entrepreneurs been allowed to keep that 27 million dollars and invest it in the ways that they thought was best?
14: Yeah, of course yeah. And what what happens if you don't want to uh fund this uh this jail scheme. I mean they're gonna put you in that jail. Yep. You
0: know? That's right. Absolutely. So you guys were there. You can see the footage uh footage over at motorhomediaries.com. But basically for, for Harden Montana, it looks like that situation is not going to develop any further. And it's I think it's due to the internet. It's because that you know, folks were able to look into this company. They were able to to find out about this situation, to bring pressure on these Bureaucrats in this little town of 3,400 people in the middle of Montana uh, somewhere—that because of people elsewhere paying attention to this, saying "heads up," uh, I think that's one of the things that really helped put a stop to this.
14: Yeah, I mean, they—they saw all the lights on them uh, that day, and uh, I mean, they only have like one meeting a month, so uh, this is their first opportunity to speak about this in a a while, and uh, yeah, there is not going to be any contracts uh, signed soon. Uh, The guy that runs the uh, the American police force, this private security company, he had to go back to California in order to go to a a trial on on, on some uh, more criminal charges.
0: Jason, can you hang on for just a little bit and bring it back for just a few more moments? Is that that all right? Hang on. More coming up with Jason Talley. It's Free Talk Live. Hey,
1: podcasters. FTL has a new advertiser with a somewhat unusual arrangement. They're paying us for people that... Fill out their online form for inspections for their basements. You won't believe how affordable a dry, usable basement can be, and FTL gets fifty bucks for everyone that fills out the online form at basement.freetalklive.com. Five hundred bucks off, a lifetime warranty, and a free water watch alarm. Just go to basement.freetalklive.com, click on free inspection and estimate in the upper right hand corner, fill out the online form, earn FTL fifty bucks.
0: This is the Saturday edition of Free Talk Live. You're invited to take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. Bring up whatever you want. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. It's 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And we invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. We've got updates, so if you want to be kept in the loop about Free Talk Live, whenever there's something you, uh, new that you need to know, you'll know it first if you're on the updates list. And you can get on it free, of course, by going to updates.freetalklive.com. That's Updates.freetalklive.com
1: Audiblepodcast.com offers over 60,000 downloadable audiobooks, and magazines, and radio shows for your iPod or MP3 player. These Many of these books are completely unabridged, so they can be hours and hours long, and that's a great deal of listening content. You can go get one to try out for free uh, by going to audiblepodcast.com FTL. That's how you get the free one is that slash
0: FTL on the end. So it's audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. We're going to get right back to your calls. just a few more uh, moments here with Jason Talley, one of the three involved in the Motorhome Diaries. Motorhomediaries.com. They're driving around the country. Maybe they've already been through your area. Maybe they're yet to come through. You can find that out. Uh, they've got a handy map and an itinerary all there at MotorhomeDiaries.com. Uh, Jason, are you back with us? Yeah, sure am. Okay. Are you on your phone or are you on like a speakerphone? Uh, No, I'm on the phone. Okay, it just sounds a little far off. Uh, So we're back here, and one of the things that happened to you guys recently, and I guess not that recently, but several months ago, you were down, driving through Mississippi, pulled over in rural Jackson County, Mississippi, and were attacked by the police because you dared to videotape the encounter, as you're supposed to be free to do in this so-called land of the free, freedom of the press, and all that nonsense. Uh, They decided to attack you and pepper spray you and lock you in a cage for several hours, uh, for a lot of hours as a matter of fact. They finally uh, let you out if you got bailed out the case the uh, cases went to trial all three of you were charged with silly nonsense uh, one of you one of you was charged with possession of a beer in a dry county when the beer wasn't open and it was in the the refrigerator uh, of the of the rv it was just absolutely ludicrous uh, what they were doing to you guys because basically you stood up for your rights and uh, you went to trial over that recently what happened uh, i haven't heard anything really except for the fact that you guys were found guilty but you told me on the phone that's not really the case what's going on there
14: It's weird, and you know we haven't been able to talk about it because there's just we haven't received any words. We have we have no idea what what the verdict is. Now uh, there was a newspaper article in the uh, the local paper there that had some quotes from the judge saying that uh, you know we were found guilty, but when we haven't received anything in writing, any paperwork, and they promised to uh, send us that within two weeks, and so our lawyers you know faxed them a copy of the news article and asked you know what was going on? They talked to him on the phone and they said that there hadn't been a verdict yet. So, you know, wow. we're just over here scratching our heads and trying to uh, figure out what's going
0: on. But, uh, well, we've had similar things, Jason, we've had similar things happen here in Keene, New Hampshire, where activists have gone to court. They've uh, gone through the trial process. The judge has said something like, I'll take it under advisement. And then they, they don't hear back for a month and a half uh, as far as what's actually going on. And, and I think the reason for that is because the judge, at least here in New Hampshire, is my understanding, has 30 business days with which to come up with a verdict. Now, when was your trial? Wasn't it the beginning of September?
14: Right, yes. It's been it was September 10th. Okay. So it's, it's been over three weeks.
0: Right so it's been a it's been a full month uh but as far as business days is concerned it it probably hasn't been a full 30 it's not been a full 30 business days because you can't count the weekends so maybe you'll get a verdict in the next week or week and a half or two, or two weeks but they are arbitrary and they they really just seem to do whatever it is they want to do I mean if the judge doesn't render a verdict who's going to punish the judge for that right
14: Well right yeah I mean but the thing is I mean he promised us two weeks and so he's just needed <laughs> Longer time, and he hasn't even you know told us that he needs more time for this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's in a tough position, you know. I, I can I can appreciate that. You know, he on one hand he has to live you know with these people and work with law enforcement every day, right? And then on the other hand, he sees our case, which is pretty clear cut. That the only criminals on the side of that interstate were members of the Jones County Sheriff's Department.
3: Absolutely, so, uh,
14: it's uh, it is a tough situation, but you know we're still hoping that he uh, he does the right thing and. Um, you know, we get some reform in Jones County.
0: Well, I'm sure you guys are going to post about it as soon as you know over at MotorhomeDiaries.com and certainly give us a call here and, and give our listeners a heads up because I know that some of them were asking about you guys and uh, what the situation was. So is there anything else you want to share with our audience tonight, Jason?
14: Uh, just, you know, just that we arrived in Spokane, Washington. This is our final month on uh, for the search for freedom in America, and we'll be in Seattle, Olympia, Portland, and then uh, San Francisco ending on October 30th, so... If any of your listeners are on the air, you have to go to our website motorhomediaries.com. They can see our itinerary and just uh, let us know that they'll uh, they want to meet up or if they have any story ideas, we'd uh, we love hanging out with libertarians.
0: Now I know that one of your uh, your crew members there, Adam Miller, has been planning on on coming up here to Keene, New Hampshire, and you and Pete are also uh, planning on making a move to Keene. When's your ETA, Jason? Isn't it uh, you guys are wrapping up the Motorhome Diaries tour uh, at the end of this month? So you're not moving in immediately. You're hanging out uh doing some other things around the country and then you're going to be moving here next year, is that right?
14: Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Uh so uh, I'm going to be part of a caravan uh from California to uh New Hampshire for the Liberty Forum. So um that's when I'll be moving to uh to New Hampshire and specifically Keene. So right and I'm, I'm I, and I miss, I'm missing so much uh, with all the uh, the 420 protests or I'm sorry celebrations. Yes. And um, and just that environment is what I want to surround myself with because I mean it's on the forefront that, uh, as far as like uh, you know pro freedom activism in favor of a voluntary society. So I'm looking forward to it.
0: I agree. Look forward to seeing you here and uh, continue uh, to have a safe trip as you wrap up the motorhome diaries within the next three weeks or so. All right. Well, thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Jason, for your time tonight. We appreciate it. Jason Talley from dot. Com, be sure to go over there and visit them and subscribe to their YouTube channel. Good guys, really excited about having them on board here in the liberty movement. They've been going around the country for the last several months talking about freedom with people, meeting up with other liberty-minded people, and, of course, spreading the word about Free Talk Live. We've got our Free Talk Live logo right there on the back of the uh, the RV. Freekeen.com's got a logo there. The Free State Project has a big logo uh, on the back of the RV, so they're helping spread the ideas not only of uh, talking about freedom to people but also bringing other liberty-oriented people on board with the idea of getting together in the same place, which is what, of course, the Free State Project is all about.
1: It's a, uh, a trip of a lifetime to be able to travel around the United States with a, with couple, your buddies. Other, yeah, a couple other buddies and uh be able to you know, talk to people. They get the because they're doing the docu- documentary. They get the opportunity to you know interview people and things like that. Yeah. I took a trip around the United States myself. Um, it wasn't as long as theirs. Mine was only four months. Um, in and I slept in the back of the van and everything. But it was kind of a solitary thing as opposed to being able to talk to a bunch of people. And that was probably the thing that I uh disliked about it the most was the you know the loneliness
0: let's go to your phone calls about what you want it's Harold listening to WXNT in Indianapolis Harold you're on free talk live at the Mark.
15: yes uh i just wanted to uh, share a uh western uh belief uh, where uh, the grecian law uh, began in that uh and it has been documented uh, in that uh, we're reverting back to this uh uh rule of philosophy is that uh, children and uh, young Americans need to wear uniforms and uh, be really? se- uh, separated, hmm. separated? All male, all female classes, and uh, this is, has worked. And as far as uh, I'll
0: tell you the, what, Harold, uh, I've got questions for you. If you graduate, can, Harold, if you'll hang on, I'm going to put you on hold. We're going to bring you back and want to talk about this because a lot of people believe in this uniform thing. Make everybody look the same. And I want to hear hear more about what Harold has to say in defense of this idea. 800-259-9231. You can dial in. Bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. Take control of the airwaves.
4: The second annual Connecticut Liberty Forum is coming October 17th. Join Congresswoman Michelle Bachman, We the People Foundation founder Bob Schultz, author James Perloff, the Campaign for Liberty's Jim Azola and more, discussing ways to protect our freedom. The Connecticut Liberty Forum, October 17th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Sheraton Hotel in Windsor Locks. Visit NHELD.com for more information or call 860-354-3590. That's 860-354-3590.
0: This is Free Talk Live. It's the Saturday edition. We're here taking your calls about whatever you want. 800-259-9231. That's the Sekel CAI toll-free line. And tonight it's Ian with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website, Free Talk Live freetalklive.com go to facebook.freetalklive.com to get involved with our facebook profile you can become a fan facebook.freetalklive.com
1: do you have someone in your life who's crazy about the twilight series of books or a teenager who still laments that harry potter is over buy them a copy of the demon queen and the locksmith it's a new novel by spencer Baum. it has all the adventure and teen angst of those books and it's written from a libertarian perspective Find out more and read the first six chapters free at thedemonqueen.com. That's thedemonqueen.com. And I have read uh, selections from this book, and I find it to be very well written.
0: All right, so let's continue with your phone calls and talk to, I believe, Harold is still with us. Harold, are you there in Indianapolis? Yes, yes I am. Okay, Harold, what you were telling us right when we were going to break is that you believe that uniforms are very, very important. Can you give me a little bit more as to, to why? What were you, what your thoughts are on that?
15: Not, not only uniforms, but I, I believe that uh, in the uh, ancient Greece uh, philosophy, where all our democracy uh, derived from, that uh, male and female should be in classes uh, above uh, the sixth grade. And let me.
0: Should be separated, uh, you mean? Separated?
15: Definitive in that, because there becomes a competition uh, on dress wear. And not only that, male and female, uh, there becomes a, uh, a cut and draw on, uh, you know, males uh, competing with, uh, you know, the attentions of females and it interrupts the, uh, uh, uh the educational, uh, uh, draw as such.
1: Well, I, I would say in ancient Greece that probably the reason they separated them was so that the uh, the teachers would have a, a more easy time to sodomize their young boys, <laughs> which is what went on in ancient Greece. It was very common for older men that, to... That's,
15: that's very easy for you to say. Yeah, However, it is. Uh, that's, uh, you know, that's neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> What's the, important here really, is separation. Uh, hold, hold, hold it. L- let me just uh, <laughs> derive to this, that uh, actually... Uh, 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 there have been uh, groups of people who have uh, grabbed on to this idea, and they've got a more successful graduation, uh, uh, you know, uh, people that get to high school. Uh, they've taken on this uh, idea, and uh, now there are, you know, their their graduation uh, percentages are up versus what we have today. You know, this that's very easy to, for you to say that uh, – People are being sodomized.
3: No, they however. were being. I mean, uh,
15: I don't no, think they are being That's talking about history, that, that, sir. That's, that's uh, that's neither here nor
1: there i agree that it's neither here nor there on the issue of uh, uniforms and separating children but when it comes to using uh, the making it valid through argumentum antiquium which is saying that because it happened in the past it is therefore good um, i think that that in and of itself it needs to be pointed out that there are goods and bads about uh, you know antiquium so so i'd like to talk about the ideas of uh, separating children from their sex uh, you know by sex and uh, uniforms in on their face. That, that,
15: that, that is an issue that uh, males compete with females, and they're uh, they're diverted from their uh, curriculum.
0: Okay, Harold, this is what I, I want to understand. Make sure I'm on the same page with you here. Uh, what you're saying, what I'm hearing no, you, you say, you can't
15: only you can't be the person that always asks the questions. I just asked the question. What was you the question? Think that uh, I'm sorry, The curriculum would not be diverted from uh, the uh, competition. Uh, you know, like I went through the uh, 70s, and it was a high skirt uh, thing in school, and uh, with uh, testosterone shot up at a high level, I think that that's a diversion. So let from, me see uh, Let me see curriculum. if I'm
0: understanding you here. Now, now listen, Harold, I'm asking you these questions so I can understand what you're saying, so we're communicating appropriately here, and I'm not talking past you or something like that. So what you're saying there is that because the girls were wearing short skirts when you were in school, you felt like you were distracted by their. Not just
15: me. I'm I'm talking about the general populace.
0: Right. I but any obviously, person, you only know uh,
15: about you. male so... or female, uh, if it is a uh, competitional thing, uh, you know, with uh, uh, dress codes and uh, uh, and tight jeans. Uh, but you're saying skirt, that's
0: distracting from the actual education. I
15: think it does. Yes, I, I do. I, I wouldn't entirely opinion.
1: disagree with you, Harold, but um, I am of sort of of the opinion that... Uh,
15: <laughs> Incredible. Well, That's why this thing will never uh, uh, get to the uh, high order that it should be. I
0: don't what know you what you're talking about.
15: about? I'm talking about uh, curriculum versus uh, 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 diversions uh, from uh, the... Uh, well, I think the curriculum is, sucks, uh, uh, Harold. That's curricular. my problem,
1: is I think the curriculum itself stinks. So something to distract from it probably isn't a terrible idea.
0: Yeah. So so you see what you see what he's saying, Harold, is that the government schools curriculum blows because they have a monopoly, essentially a virtual monopoly on uh, education and that you're forced to pay for whatever garbage kind of level education. They decide to shove down students throats that even if you were to force people to go into uh, these uniforms, into these sex separated classrooms, that essentially that the curriculum would still be awful. And so therefore you really wouldn't have changed very much. Does that make sense?
15: No, it does not. So you... I think that uh, the, uh, 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 the high order of uh, learning should be addressed to just that. And uh, what is science is science, but uh, 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 my uh, uh, English teacher doesn't need to be popping her ass up on a, uh, uh, a table – and uh giving me a clear view of her uh the you english know, teachers are doing she that up in her dress Look,
0: like, i don't know and, if i don't uh, know if uh, van halen's hot for teacher is happening really, in most classrooms around the country a, i'm i'm not sure a, about here's,
15: that here's here's the here's here's a philosophy or a quotation I that i can hand to you Get control of your uh, youth, or the youth will get control of you. So Harold, here's and, uh, yes.
3: You want to bring corporal punishment back
15: the, too? Uh, 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 the the uh, multitude to do the
0: evil. So okay, let, let's let's not get distracted here, Harold. I want to focus on uniforms for just a moment. After all, this is something you brought up. So let's talk a little mm-hmm. bit. Let's talk a little mm-hmm. bit more about this. Am I understanding you that what you're telling me is that? Young people cannot learn effectively if they're able to be individuated if they are able to uh, to customize their appearance. you believe that uh, learning is only really possible when everyone is made to look the same or virtually the same
15: I believe that uh, that if a a person that uh, comes into school who cannot afford the uh, attire that another person wears it's a distraction and it's an unequal, uh, 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 division. And it's not like a, uh, I got a nickel. You got a nickel. How about he's got, uh, uh, $3. Harold, how about my, hairstyles? Uh, let's say you get what cent. you want.
0: Let's say what you, let's say you get what you want. And that the, now, the school board, to, if I go into
15: seventh, if I go into seventh grade school and I'm not wearing uh bass Weegins and another person is, and I, all I got is, uh, Yeah, I get your
0: I get your point. What you're saying is that I understand what you're saying, Harold. You're saying that kids, you know, they don't have the same level of income. They're competing, and some kids can't compete, and that's a distraction from from learning. I see what you're saying. We all
15: come in there equally. I I understand, Harold. Let's move on. I want to continue the conversation. You're you're repeating
0: your points now, Harold. So I want to move to the next point. What? Let's say you get what you want. Let's say you get what you want, and that you get the uniform policy instituted, and that uh, also you get uh, males separated from females. uh, Above sixth grade, which is what you were proposing earlier. Let's say you get
15: that. For you to infer that everything's because of that, we're going to be sodomized. That's that's no, no, sir. You weren't
0: paying attention. I made it clear. You are not paying attention. Mark was talking about ancient Greece because you had referenced ancient Greece. Argumentum antiquium.
1: Yeah, that's See, yeah, I, that's, I paid attention in school. That's, that's where the Even sodomy was. Even with short
0: skirts around. That's where the sodomy was happening. We're not saying that people are being sodomized today. Okay, so let's just put that out of your mind because you, mis, you misunderstood. Now, let's say you get the uniforms, you get the separation of the sexes. What about hairstyles?
15: Well, uh, that's, uh, I, I, you know, it's... Uh, uh... <laughs> I think that uh, it, it belongs to uh, whatever uh, style a person has, you know. It's, uh, so
0: you'd be, you'd be okay with people individu- individuating by their hairstyles, just not their clothing? Well, just making uh, sure, just trying to understand where you're coming from. Thanks for the call. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. I think people should be able to f- be free to choose whatever school they want to send their kids to, whatever the policies are. I don't think there should be any across-the-board policy for everybody. It should be I up think to Harold you. had a fixation on... Free Talk Live, only moments remain here in this, the live Saturday edition of the program. Tonight, it is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, the features we give away, so enjoy those on us. And if you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Whatever it is you need to buy, they probably sell it. Dozens of categories in which you can shop. You know, Amazon, they're the world's largest internet retailer, selling all kinds of different stuff, even used items now. You can get it all at Amazon or almost everything. Head over to amazon.freetalklive.com, and when you enter through that link, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your purchase. Choose for Health
1: Superfruit Complex. It's a antioxidant and a vitamin all in one. Uh, you chew it up so you know that you're getting the full digestive, digestive value out of your vitamin, and I've been... Using it for a couple of months now, and, you know, I love it. It's great. You can get a free week to try it out by calling 800-219-8874. All you have to do is pay a very, very small fee for shipping and handling. 800-219-8874. Choose for Health Superfruit Complex.
0: All right, let's continue taking your calls about what you want. Mark is in Indianapolis listening to WXNT. Mark, you're on Free Talk Live.
16: Yes, I want to speak up for the zero tolerance, because it's for safety, and it's for the children. I'm a progressive, and and I think it's a good thing, because guns and knives and things are evil and dangerous, and and besides, people who are armed are more difficult to oppress.
1: (laughs) That's really the reason.
16: We, we See, have to have the zero tolerance because it's for the children.
1: You know, what it's, I want to do is I wanna use uh, gun con- I wanna have gun control. I'm all for it. I just what? think that we should have uh that we, we should first disarm the bureaucrats.
16: <laughs> no, no, the the bureaucrats are the good guys. We should have them have weapons. <laughs> I can
1: show you news story after news story <laughs> whether or not.
16: No, the unwashed masses are dangerous, and they smell.
0: <laughs> Great <laughs> well, call. Cause they're unwashed. Thanks for making it, Mark. I I'm appreciate. I'm being sarcastic. It. I, I, yeah, we figured. Great not voice, bad. though. I enjoyed that. Thank you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Snivelly, snivelly liberal. Yeah. Well, let's continue and talk to. I believe Arno is on the line. Arno, are you with us? Arno, I'm not sure where you're calling from at this point. Yes, are you there, I so? am. Hey, I'm what's calling
16: from Chicago?
0: What's on your mind, Arno?
16: Um, I was calling because I wanted to talk to you guys about the um, Roman Polanski affair. Have you heard about that?
0: Yes, he uh, was arrested, I think, when entering into one of those European countries. Switzerland, Switzerland, Sweden, something. It's one of those European countries. Yeah, and uh, he uh, was coming from France where he's been hiding out for a long time uh, after being wanted by the United States for, I guess, allegedly sleeping with a 13-year-old girl when he was in his 40s or something like that. I guess I guess he got her drunk drunk or on quaaludes or something, and, uh, and 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 essentially had sex with her. Is that yeah, the story? Yeah, that's pretty
16: it. But um, what I wanted to talk about is that I heard, I was listening a lot to uh, French media recently, and uh, there was this outrage, especially in the um, arts industry, in the, in the movie industry, people were uh, defending him because he's a great artist, you know, and he's produced and made a lot of great movies. So he must be a good guy but i i couldn't really figure out from a freedom perspective um how to just um understand the story cuz i mean
0: well i don't know if he's a good guy or not i have no idea i don't know much Wallace about him well i think
16: fantastic uh, i mean they're they're defending him because he's part of the same clique i guess
0: well, they don't defend every. I don't think they defend everybody that's in their little um, industry. But I think that from a freedom perspective, I believe that uh, young people can make decisions for themselves. And if they're old enough to. Uh, if they're old enough to have sex physically, they've they, you know, gone through puberty at that point, then I think they're old enough to make a decision about whether or not they uh, they want to have sex. Now, one could point out that, well, he was he drugged her, but then again, she voluntarily took the uh, the alcohol or whatever it was well, it, uh, that he gave her. I
1: have the biggest problem so, here with the parents that decided that it was a good idea to let their, to 13-year-old. Let their d- 13-year-old daughter stay the night with, what, two guys? Uh, it was just two grown men. It was very weird, not to mention that, but the... Uh, uh, the, the politicization, politicization, I don't know, of the, Probably, the, right. of the case where uh, Mr. Polanski had made a deal, as it were, and then essentially the judge, who knew that he was going to get uh, you know, press from all this, decided, I'm not going with that deal. And he doesn't have to. but What was the deal? But he had signed a, signed a deal, and that's the reason he, he ran away. The deal was um, essentially community service.
0: But they re- the judge reneged on the deal, and that's why The he judge ran? doesn't
1: make a deal. The, 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 the prosecutor. Prosecutors do.
0: The judge refused the deal, is what Correct. You're saying. Gotcha. Well, I think that in that case. And that's
1: why he ran. And I can imagine why Mr. Polanski felt that he, you know, uh, yeah. you know like he'd been cheated.
0: Well, you know, one of the other things I want to point out is it's my understanding that the 13-year-old, the then 13-year-old girl, who's now much older at this point, has basically said, can we just move this on? Can we just move on? She doesn't want to press charges against this guy. It's the state that's pressing the charges. She's moved on with her life, and she's probably forgiven – I think she's – Probably forgiven him at this point uh, for what he did and obviously she acknowledges uh, I would think that she had a role in uh, to play in that because it takes two unless it is a rape and that's not what they were alleging that it was actual rape they're calling it it's statutory rape which means that the uh, the other person who was so-called raped actually consented to it so I think that from a liberty perspective this man should be left alone if you want to ostracize him if you want to don't ever see his movies again not that he's made any that, that I know of but you know do what you can to ostracize him if you disagree with what he's done. But he doesn't belong in a jail cell because of it, because he doesn't have a victim. She's not pressing charges. It's the state that's pressing the charges. And if you have, in my opinion, if you have no victim, then there is no crime. Your thoughts? So
16: the fact that the state is just trying to uphold the law law is is not a good enough reason for you to...
0: I think the state's laws in many cases are absolutely asinine and should be ignored, uh, and I think that the, the statutory rape law in, in most of its applications is ludicrous and usually results in people that are 20 years old with a 17-year-old boyfriend or girlfriend and ending up in a prison cell, and I think that's wrong, and I think that law should be absolutely Well, I think what Mr. Books.
1: Polanski did was wrong. However, I think that the state handled the case very badly, Arno. So I think what you have here are two different people with two different opinions coming from the hosts.
16: No, that, that's great. I mean, it's you get you made a great case for um, a libertarian um, analysis. Thanks, of Arno.
0: I appreciate hearing from you tonight. 800-259-9231. Let's go to Robert listening to WXNT in Indianapolis. You're on Free Talk Live. Robert. Robert. Good gentleman
17: from Indianapolis, but I will try.
0: What's on your mind tonight?
17: Hey, uh, you uh, were talking about the schools, and I was kind of curious. Uh, I listen to you gentlemen off and on. Yes, sir. Uh, but i 've never heard of you speaking about unions in your view of uh unionization labor labor negotiations or labor relations that kind of thing uh the n e a is pretty strong national education is pretty yes. strong mm-hmm. and the uh the teachers' unions are pretty powerful out there and uh what are your how would that fit into that and i 'm learning about uh libertarianism as i 'm going here so bear with me sure how does that how does that how does that fly in that Arena. It, um, excuse my ignorance. I just don't
1: know. No problem. About six percent of uh, Americans are in a union. About eighty percent of public workers are in a union. Um, unions in this country have moved from what they historically were, were you know groups, clubs that uh, protected the worker. Um, from, you know, difficulties, people got together, they, they, they uh, you know, br- brought their grievances to their employers, and they Makes managed sense. Yeah, they managed to get, uh, you know, things happening. And I have no problem with people voluntarily joining clubs. I do have a problem with, you know, strong-arm tactics that unions might use to make people join, or uh, getting
0: involved in the state, where right. the state essentially empowers them to have certain right. uh, abilities I, they wouldn't otherwise and, have. And
1: the problem with a teacher's union is that the, the vast majority of the people who are are involved in the NAA work for the taxpayer, and the taxpayers are unable to get together in the same fashion, so they're not able to negotiate. You know, they're going through government officials who negotiate with government officials in order to get better pay for government officials who are already compensated higher than the uh, the, the mean for what they do in the free market. So, you know, what it what it amounts to is extortion from the taxpayer. One
17: of the one of the things with what I, I what I do for a living. One of the things I do is I work on the company side for uh, negotiating with unions. Okay. And, uh, I'm I'm from a long long line of uh, tradesmen myself, and I did did some uh, work myself when I was younger. But the uh, you know, a lot of people they don't. See they don't realize that unions really do not speak for the individual, mm-hmm. even though people think they do. And we'll sit at the table, and people's individualism is—they're gone. They'll bring to the table uh, issues from the international uh, issues out that are far beyond political realm into a world that individual that cares nothing about.
0: Yeah, it would and, figure and that the, the, the unions would be about the unions and not necessarily their members. And I wish we had more time, but I thank you for the call tonight. So basically, a position. my position is the government should not be assisting the unions, nor should it be assisting the businesses. Just stay the hell out. Oh, by the way, I apparently had some bad info on this Polanski case. According to uh, Johnson, the young lady in that case said it was a rape and that she had said no many times at each stage of his advances. So if that's the case uh, and she wanted to press charges, then they should go after him. But in this case, she doesn't want to press charges. She wants to just move on with her life. We're done for tonight. It's Benny in here with you. And Mark. See you tomorrow, or not tomorrow, but Monday night and online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Mark interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live Amp program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com, and here's Mark. The Mark Edge
1: interview series is uh, continuing on here today. I have with me Ernie Hancock. Ernie, are you there? Yes. Yeah, Ernie, your list of accolades is is really too long for me to go through. What comes to mind is uh, Freedom's Phoenix, um, really the Liberty movement that's going on out there in Arizona in the in the Phoenix area, um, I, the the Ron Paul Revolution. You kind of I, I don't know I'd, I'd hate to say that somebody started it, but uh, I think it was your logo from the very beginning. Um, I, what else that, uh, so just so that, uh, listeners can kind of, uh, get an idea who we're listening to here.
10: You
12: know, the, the thing is, this is what I found out whenever you, uh, get noticed for standing up. The only reason is because everyone else is on their knees, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's the only reason you get noticed and it's just, it doesn't really take that much. And you just ask questions, you know, we're, we're working on a lot of things right now. Uh, we have, a workshop here in Phoenix, Arizona. It's about uh, three, 4,000 square feet, and we have a video studio and a radio studio and printing press and silk screening and sign production and DVD production and, you know, cubicles, and everybody's just rock and rolling and whatnot. And there's so many things going on that, you know, I, I hate to pick any one, you know, one, but I just got off the phone with the Phoenix Fire Department, their uh, public affairs guy, and we have been hammering on this one single question. You ask the right question, and you can tell what you know, really going through their heads based on the non-answers you get, you know. And this has been my question. Are first responders in the city of Phoenix, which is your firemen, police, teachers, uh, uh, medical personnel, are they going to be coerced in one way or another into taking this H1N1 vaccine? That's all I wanted to know. You know, what are the repercussions for someone that says, you know, I'm not. I just soon not, I'll, I'll take three days of sniffles and I'm good. And I go, what happens to that person? Well, they wouldn't answer me. I talked to the um, mayor's office. They're they, they were like, hey, man, we, we're a city manager city. We're, we have absolutely <laughs> no power whatsoever. <laughs> so I go, wait a minute, let me get this straight. If the city manager says they're going to do something and the mayor and the city council says don't do it, what do they do? They said, you know, uh, kiss off. We're going to do it anyway. Well, you need to talk to them. So they gave me the number. I called them, and uh, I uh, talked to the city manager's representative. Well, I talked to their secretary. Uh, no one's available. So what they do is they say, well, we're going to go ahead, and uh, we'll get back to you. So I don't get a call from the city manager's um, liaison. And, and, and who do I get a call from? I get a call from the Phoenix Fire Department. And okay. I'm going, okay, why are you calling me? And Frank Solomon, he's the public affairs guy, and he goes, um, "We do not require without any, well, there is no repercussions whatsoever. strictly voluntary. It would be illegal for me to require them to have them take the regular flu shot." And I go, "Okay, what about the H1N1 flu shot?" I mean, of course, he had to say regular flu shot if yeah. like I was going to miss it or something, right? So I'm going, "Nice try. What about the N1, uh, the H1N1?" So he goes. He goes, well, you know, I'm going to have to get back to you.
10: What'd
5: you call for then? What did he call for then?
12: <laughs> I, you know, I'm not even, I'm not even sure he even knew what was going on. Okay, I, you know, you have the city manager's office, man. They're passing this football. We don't want to deal with Ernie. Okay, these guys know who I am. So yeah. they said, you know, we'll get the fireman guys to do it. So the fireman says. um, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to have to get back to you. So he calls me back just a little bit ago. He had talked to the Phoenix Fire Department's um, lead doctor, you know, whatever he has to say. And uh, he said, nope, nope, uh, we, we can't force anyone to do it. Now, we recommend it. Now, we, rec- we highly recommend it. And I said, now, wait a minute. I need to make sure that there are no ramifications to anyone that refuses to take this shot. Because I have yet to find where government is friendly advice. Okay. Yeah. You know, that, that doesn't happen. You know, thou shalt. You know, and I got a that's, club. That's what so, they do. <laughs> so I'm going you know, so if any fireman does not want to take this shot, what is the penalty? Possibility of nothing. No, Nope, nope, nope to It's not going to happen. I'm like, okay. Now, the thing is, is that what's interesting is you had the city manager had a Phoenix fire department spokesperson call me on this issue. They know what the question is. They know who I am. They had the Phoenix fireman call me, and he had no idea what he's calling me about. You know, he's, well, I mean, what? I oh, I need to go check on this. So he calls me back. He says, no, no requirement. Now, what he didn't know is that I had already talked to the Phoenix Police Union, the Phoenix Police Community Service, the Phoenix Police public information officers, and they they couldn't, they didn't know, man, we don't even have an opinion. You know, I you talk to the, the city managers and so on. So this is kind of made a circle. This is the first time I've had anyone with any kind of shiny badge to say, no, we're not doing this. And I'll, you know, I, I, I venture a uh, guess as to why. If you go to the top of freedomsphoenix.com right now, and it may rotate off by the time people get there, but uh, we have a sign that we created in the last two days that we have started to blanket Phoenix and Tucson with. What it says is support first responders that say no to mandatory shots. And then the logo is kind of this uh you know skull and bones and the bones are syringes. <laughs> you know, and we're just we just want to make it very clear. And as we talked to the unions, we said, "Look, if you have a single officer that comes up and says, "Hey man, I you know I don't want to take it and there's some kind of ramifications, you know, you suffer some kind of penalty or unfair treatment or something, you know, uh you'll be so kind as to let them know that we want to support that individual right." Uh well, maybe we'll do that. You know, and I'm like <laughs> You know, there's something weird going on here. So we have what we found out is that uh, these shots are free. The government's been just shipping these out, and Walgreens is charging 25 bucks to get the shot. And uh, the only reason I know this is that we have someone that's a medical coder, and when they get these bills from the doctor's offices, the uh, sheets that they get from the government telling them how they code this stuff is you're not allowed to code any charge for the actual vaccine just for the doctor administering it. So I'm under the assumption that they're getting them free. So they're going to have – this has already been done. The government has already spent gazillions of dollars on these shots, and they're going to have them sitting in warehouse somewhere, everywhere, trying to encourage people to take them. It's just a big, giant bank robbery is what it is. Plus, you know, you got all the toxins and crap that's in it. That's a whole other issue. So here at the workshop, they had a meetup last night to where they had some concerned young people here said, we're going to do a meetup. They had a couple dozen people showed up. They started making these signs. They laid out the, oh, it was the night before, because yesterday they took that information. Then they went to a printer, and graphic designer yesterday have a trifold done up and some other flyers, and they're mass-producing this stuff. They got the uh, plates done. We have our own printing press here. Boom, they're mass-producing this stuff. So this, I guarantee by the end of this weekend, this is going to be a big issue, because I couldn't get a straight answer, so what do we have? These signs all over, just like we did the banners for the Ron Paul Revolution, mm-hmm. same technique, same thing. You know, I, I got plenty of overpasses. You know, I just make the signs. What people do with them, I had no idea, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they go, well, Ernie, you know you. I go, what? I don't even know what you're talking about. I just make the signs. What they do with them, that's their problem, man. And now, Ernie... So,
1: there are probably a lot of people who would like to be as active as you are, and I don't think it's actually physically as po- possible to be as active as you are, but a lot of people would like to be half as active as, as you are in, in your team. How did you get to the point where you are funded so that you can be active in this manner?
12: Volunteers. You know, we've been doing this for a long time. I started this like 20 years ago. These guys are in their mid-20s and stuff now. My wife and I look at them and a couple of young couples, and I go, that was us. The little kids and everything. I go. That's what we were doing twenty years ago, and what we knew is we said, you know, if we only had a video camera. But well, back then, you had these big monster VHS video cameras yep. or inch and a quarter. You had to get these professional cameras to go to public access television and be able to check them out for a day to go whatever. You got ten times the quality HD cameras now. You buy for three four hundred dollars and go on YouTube in a half hour. Yep. So I'm going. We did not have the technology back then that we do now, but we knew what we needed. We needed a place, certainly in Arizona, that's air-conditioned in the summer. You can just forget it, okay? So we needed a location. We got, uh, you know, just an old warehouse kind of space in central Phoenix. Got enough space, boom. We spent months building it and building out a studio and got uh, all kinds of stuff here. So we knew we'd need the place. We knew we'd need to, you know, just get... You know, the equipment to build the little cubicles and so on. We have a bank goes out of business and they say, Hey, we'll pay you to haul all the crap off. All right, cool. Now we got our offices. Then we need to have uh, the set built. We got a carpenter that says I do cabinetry, man, you know, I'll come down here whenever I get extra time and over a period of about, you know, 70, 80 days, boom, we had a nice studio, I'm working on stuff, it's just people just contribute their time and resources and money to do what they want to do, we provide the freedom to them to do whatever they want, because if I tried to control it, it would eliminate just like that. And I, so I understood from this, you know, free market, order out of chaos, kind of spontaneous order, libertarian anarchist kind of thing, that you just let it go. Let them do what they want. That's how Freedom's Phoenix is run. We control what goes on the front page, you know, just by checking stuff, whatever. But all the contributions, all the people that can have their own special editions, they enter their own – boom, knocks stuff out – be done with it. And we have dozens of people that contribute information up there because they can. They a lot of people that go, How can you call yourself libertarian site and have, you know, this guy on there? I go, Well, one, we never even say that. It's of course edited by libertarians, but we have the wide spectrum, the commie left socialist whatever, and the right wing neocon. Let them get up there so that we can have our editorial comment on them. And forever it is on the uh, internet of anything that these guys say and what we say about what they say, where in the past they got to just say whatever they wanted without a libertarian critique. I go, you want access to my audience? You want access to my page? Well, do you submit yourself to what I got to say about what you had to say? And they go, eh, okay. You know, and little do they know, when their fans start coming over, they get their cortex brushed with this libertarian thing, and all of a sudden they get converted because that's what we do.
1: It is a powerful message. Um speaking of messages, you, you're doing two radio shows now?
12: Yes, in the morning we have a two hour show live on uh Republic Broadcasting Network, and then in the afternoon we do two hours uh on the Liberty News uh Liberty Radio. News. No, wait. A Liberty News Radio. We just started beginning of the week, so we got Liberty News Radio, and uh, they've really been rocking. They've already got us on several affiliates, adding a bunch more, and uh, working on getting us on locally here too. So I got, you know, that's why I wanted to go over. They they really took this uh, spreading the message serious, and um, using our radio show to help them spread their network. So we're all over it, and I'm, I'm telling you this this whole this is something that as a young man in the '90s. We knew it was going to happen. Me and a lot of the core friends of us have been doing this for a long time. We knew the libertarian message was going to – it was inevitable. It was just math. You know, it was like Ron Paul. You know, he knew. He's been saying this for 35 years. There was never a doubt in our mind. So when he made the announcement that he was kind of sort of thinking about, you know, organizing a blue ribbon panel to create a committee to think about running, we knew. We go, we already know where this is going. So we started the Ron Paul revolution in the sign production – way before he even announced. It was like three weeks after he had uh, said he's thinking about going. We already opened the workshop and started mass-producing those signs, sending all our libertarian friends around the country knowing what was going to happen. The first time, it was at the South Carolina debate, I think the second debate, when Fox News got a whiff of that sign and it exploded, and we knew it was going to. And even Dr. Paul was kind of reluctant about using his word revolution. even love loving it. And we're like, hey, man— you guys do what you're doing, we're going to do what we're doing and then, uh, the none the two shall not interrelate because I did not want to be restricted by a government number, a campaign. You know, we're just we're just no, we we don't want to be involved. We want to be able to exercise our first amendment rat of doing whatever the heck we want and there's nothing anybody can do about it. But the first right when you start getting government numbers Right when you start having to fill out forms, right when you start doing tracking of where the money goes and FEC filings and in-kind contributions, all this other stuff, you know, you're in the matrix. You're in you know, no, heck no. So we just do whatever we wanted to do. You know, the documentary that just came out, For Liberty, I mean, that – really just scratches the surface, kind of tells the tale of how this revolution exploded. It was individuals on their own. We all played a role. And the one thing that I knew to make certain that I did is that that artwork would be like the peace sign. It was not copyrighted or trademarked or belonged to anybody. Knock yourself out. Well, then anybody can take and do what they want. And I go, yeah, so they do the same thing with the peace sign. The people define what it means, and that's what happened.
1: It's it was it was very powerful. I mean, I think that most people saw the Ron Paul Revolution sign before they saw anything else uh, from the campaign. So um, it
12: just really hit a chord.
1: Now, what you were saying there kind of made me, uh, you know, drew me to something I've been been thinking about recently. Is I'm of the opinion at this uh, at this point that we're going to see, if if not in my lifetime, we're going to see freedom, Um, or at least. Moving in that direction inside my lifetime, I don't know if we're going to see total uh, dissolution of monopoly privilege over, uh, you know, uh, geographic areas by coercive governments. But what do you think about that? I mean, is it you you were saying it's inevitable. Where do you come up with that?
12: Well, in the end, freedom always wins. It just gets really, really messy first. (laughs) You know, this is when the more oppression that you have, the more uh, accelerates the swinging of the pendulum the other way. You know the problem. I always knew that would happen, but um, I was involved in politics quite a bit, uh, even in '92 when the Perot thing happened. And I was definitely not a Perot fan, but you know I I wanted to have the opportunity to vote for him, so I you know I had the chance to not vote for him. You know, yeah. So I, I'll fall on the sword to be able to you know not vote for him. But the thing is, is that I could see the mechanism by which they controlled the political discussion, and I'm going, wow, man, if if you get to control what the question is, it doesn't even matter what the answers are, you know? Yeah. So I could see what was coming, and the, and there was such a buildup of the people just wanting anything else, and the desire for them to be silenced was so overwhelming that you knew they were hiding something, that there was something more there. I, I challenged 44 election laws in the state of Arizona all the way to the Ninth Circuit, and the the basis of each one of these laws was to give monopoly privilege to these private these private organizations called parties. And I'm going, wait a minute, let me get this straight. At the time, I mean, they changed so many, call them a bunch of Ernie laws, but at the time I had to be Republican or Democrat. I had to get permission from the county parties and take that permission to the county recorder in order for me to be able to register people to vote. And you go, wow, I wonder why there are no libertarians. (laughs) But in spite of that, There were nonpartisans, other than Republican or Democrat, made up 15% of the registered voters, but they made up 30% of the people that actually voted in the general election. So I knew there was this pent-up understanding that it was broke. So what if you know, what if you know that people know it's broke? Well, you just advocate, you know, Wayne Gretzky, he's the owner of... um, the Phoenix Coyotes here, and he's a great hockey player, and they asked him one time, uh, um, what made you such a great skater? I mean, are you faster, stronger? I mean, what, what was it? And he goes, you know, it's real simple. He goes, I never skated to where the puck was. I always skated to where I knew it was going to be. And, and, and that's how we deal in politics here. We – we always go to where we know the puck is going to be. Everybody's going to eventually want their freedom. They're just going to want to be left alone. There are those that just want to be left alone, and there are those that just won't leave them alone. It's no more complicated than that. And they want to know, well, who's they? They who, they, them, those. I'll tell you who they are. It's real simple. It's the guys who won't leave me alone. That's who they are, okay? So if you want to know who the bad guys are, there's a guy with a shiny badge and a clipboard and a uniform and a, you know, their fine hat and the always available gun saying, you "You can't be free. Oh, by the way, your property belongs to us. And, oh, and your children got to go fight this war for the king in some sand heap somewhere. And I'm going, hey, it's not that hard to find out who the bad guys are. Like, they want to make you take a government elixir.
1: Yeah, that that H1N1 virus uh, thing, it's got a lot of people wound up as to whether or not they're going to take these vaccines, uh, you know, be forced to take these vaccines. I can tell you they can't force me to take a vaccine, Uh, but, uh, you know, they'd actually have to hold me down. There's no amount of you will do this that's going to
3: get me to do it.
12: It's it's scary. This is scary stuff. I mean, I can give you go on and on and on about all the stuff we're finding out. And the bottom line came down to: I'm going to. All right, City of Phoenix, are you going to coerce your employees into taking this vaccine? Yes or no? And I just got the answer. They say uh, no. And I'm going. Well, we'll put the signs up anyway. Just to make sure.
3: <laughs> <laughs> just gonna but follow then, yeah. and make sure.
12: Yeah, trust but verify, you know, and I don't even trust. But the uh, – so what we're looking at here is being an example, an inspiration for this next generation. I don't try and, you know, coerce these guys into, you know, anything or try to influence them to do whatever. I just help them do whatever it is they want. I Well, I want to sign this. All right, here, just say it. And I'll type, well, what do you think? You shouldn't – hey, I ain't should not Nothing man I'll type in here and put and design it and put it on the overhead and project it onto the stencil thing and you cut that you can do whatever you want I'll help you but I'm you know it's so your thing okay Well, they do that. They do a lot of it. So by us incorporating all these ideologies and all these people coming, we got the anti-war left and the anti-immigration right and everybody coming. But as time goes on and they become more and more meshed, they start to understand that they're really all on the same side. And they might need to alter their opinion just a little bit that maybe this coercive thing is not such a good idea. You know, And they all eventually become more libertarian, which was always our goal. A lot of people didn't understand when we did Freedom's Phoenix that we would allow so much left and right commentary on there. It's because they and their supporters are now drawn to Freedom's Phoenix where they get their cortex brushed with that injection of the libertarian infection into American politics for which there is no cure. And I'm going, you just, keep them, you just bring them on over. I'll inject them.
1: Now, Ernie, if uh, if people want to hear more of this, um, where do they go to uh, to hear your radio shows?
12: Well, if you go to freedomsphoenix.com, freedoms with an S, phoenix.com, then uh, you'll always see it the, in the morning. I always put my show up, what that show is going to be that day. And you can go into the archive and, and by category, declare your independence, with Ernest Hancock. If you typed in Google declare your independence with Ernest Hancock, I'm sure it'll blow up all over the place. But it's uh, – um, daily Show that you can go on the Republic Broadcasting Network or Liberty News Radio, and they have the archives there. They have the link to the show. It's you know it's it's out there.
1: Uh, Ernie, have you heard of uh, StartPage.com? It's a uh, search engine, actually, it's an aggregator um, that allows you to search completely privately, so that you don't have to worry about uh, any uh, you know any one of the search engines recording what you've searched and and trying to use that information in whatever fashion they wish. Have you heard of it?
12: No, I haven't, but I wouldn't trust them anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we've I've checked them out pretty thoroughly, and I think they're a pretty good
12: organization. startpage.com. Well, you know, you know, you send it, send me the email. You know, you could do on our site. It says letters to the editor or be a reporter. You click on be a reporter, you put that up, it goes on the page. Boom! It's that easy. See, that's why we have so many contributors and users. Is because they're allowed to give their perspective. We have some people that are prolific. I mean, you know, they're putting up a two dozen articles a day on the economy and so on. Now, some of them we pare down just because of the volume and repeats, but I mean, we have people there just, wow, an opportunity to share what we know. And my senior editor, Pal Gamble, and I just kind of go through and make sure we keep the quality up. We just don't want just stuff up there just to have it, yeah. but we don't censor anybody. You know, it's like, look, I mean, the only reason we're not putting it up is because. You know, uh, either we just don't care or it's just, you know, garbage or it's a repeat. But I tell you, I bet you 99% of the stuff just goes right through the front page because the people that are activists in this country, the people that are paying attention – they understand the power of this kind of information, and we created a site by which we have we have uh, your show on there. We we promote you guys. There's a like, "Man, you want to get another perspective on this free talk live right over there." There they are. Yep. You know, because I there are so, and I bet you are getting a lot of hits from us.
1: I you know I wouldn't know where they come from, but uh, I know that I, I know that you are active, and, and well, heck, it's the reason I am doing this <laughs> this interview now is because uh, I know you get people up and excited. So I am sure a lot of people are coming through there.
12: Because they get to do what they want to do, and a lot of what they want to do is just to be, you know, to understand. And once they know the truth, they want to share it. You know, that's that's one of the logos that we have. uh, The revolution is we know the truth now. And you know, and, and people that are more statist oriented, you can tell they're the ones that complain. Yeah. What's the truth? Who says you know the truth? What's it? You know, as if it's a subjective thing. <laughs> and I'm going, you know, I, you know, well, check out Freedom Speaks and see, uh, you know, if you can, you know, blow holes in it because anything that we put up there, you just click on, make a comment, and you can slam it all you want. Yep. And they just come out. They found out that the Obama administration, uh, Eric Holder's office, they have people in there that go around and, and seed comments on the internet in support of Obama's health care stuff. Well, you know, we get the same thing. And I'll give her name, Laura Flores. We know who you
6: are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they come in,
12: with this them. And they'll, they'll hammer it and hammer it. And then the people that are there, they have so much fun commenting, just bashing on them, that, you know, I need them to come. I want them to come because it just shows what their arguments really are and how hollow and superficial they are. They're just trying to BS us with numbers, they with quantity, not quality. Freedom's Phoenix is about providing the ability for us to have a, a competition of ideas a free market of ideas, because this, this whole medieval forest of Europe where they had these, this oppression and, and the, the serfs and kings and, and religions and all of this control on the individual, we come over here and we, 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 we protect this freedom tree, this liberty tree, and of course they're going to keep coming. Of course, well, who's going to be there protecting the liberty tree? Who is that person? Who is that group? Who is that philosophy? The philosophy is libertarianism. Or or anarchism or something, just, I want to be, I just want to be left aloneism. I don't know what you want to call it, but, you know, anybody that's trying to coerce their own social and economic engineering on the individual, that's who they are. You know, all your little secret handshake, uh, conspiratorial whatever, I don't even care what badge they're wearing if they're trying to use force and coercion on me they're the bad guys. It's no more complicated than that.
3: I'm
1: with you on that, Ernest. Thank you for your time today, and uh, that's everybody. That's that's Ernest Hancock from freedomsphoenix.com. You can go over there and you can hit, listen to uh, his radio shows. Uh, the, the the freedoms phoenix website is where I get most of my show prep from, and I want to thank you for your time today, Ernie.
4: Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks. Thank you, sir. As a small business owner, you know that communication between clients and employees is essential to your company's success. Email is part of your company's DNA, but you didn't get into business to manage email. It's time to evolve with DNAMail.com. Get Microsoft Exchange hosted email services with free activation and setup, 24 7 support, and 99.99% guaranteed uptime, all starting at $8.95 a month. DNAMail even supports your Blackberry and iPhone and offers a free Microsoft SharePoint internet portal to keep everyone connected. Look, you know what it costs to set up an email system. Don't blow your budget on fighting viruses and having an IT specialist on call. Save time and money with dnamail.com. Every standard or unlimited exchange mailbox will get a free copy of Microsoft Outlook 2007 or Entourage 2008. Call us at 800-628-3204. That's 800-628-3204. Or visit dnamail.com and join the evolution.